Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Yuck. That's how I'd describe Regina Base football of the weekend. And it was yuck in a weird way. I am Michael Ball along with my sidekick Sean Kleisinger. He is my uh he's my dry sidle. What's the Greek? Oh no, let's do this since it's country. Do you want to be Brooks or Dunn? Like am I Ronnie Dunn and your kicks Brooks? I think I think you're Kix Brooks and I'm Ronnie. No, you're Ronnie Dunn because you have a deeper voice. I'm Kix Brooks. I kind of sound like Kermit the Frog. So I'm Brooks. You're done. Okay. All right. I'm done. You're I'm done. done here. You're done here. Yeah. <laughs> Ronnie Dunn. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Yuck. And in a, in a weird way. So we started. I, I went out for supper with my buddy Kevin Welsh from Hammer Time Roofing in Saskatoon and his brother-in-law Cody in Saskatoon at the keg. Took me out for supper. And then I went home and listened to the second half of your call. Great job, by the way. Oh, thanks. And I was like, man, I do not miss those days when the Rams used to get you-know-what pumped, like in Calgary or even in Saskatoon. It is very hard to... It's very hard because even in that league, especially that league, like it's it's the worst in junior foot, football because they usually just... Well, it's actually better than when I did the games because they used to just give me the... The rosters, and that was it. There was no depth charts. There was no nothing, okay? Um, at, at least when I first started. Then it got a little better. Then I went to university football, and it's a step up, but not much better. It's gotten a little better, but there's still not as much. Unless you really do a deep dive and get ready for uh, uh, you-know-what pumping, you don't really have a lot to talk about. It's pretty it's pretty bad actually. And so I felt bad for you. 40 to 6 Rams got absolutely shellacked. We'll talk about that as the show goes on. So I'm like, okay. I remember texting you last that night. I said, "Hey, Zinger, good job. It's tough." He goes, "I go, I could have my own." Who would have thought that Zinger and Ballsy in their play-by-play weekend were outscored 91 to 12? I got it worse than you. <laughs> remember I texted you that? Yeah, Riders lost 51 to 6. And then I'm like, "Okay, We'll get home and maybe we can check and see if the Thunder are winning. No. Landed, got to the got to the field. I was gonna go watch it. But I saw the ra- uh, Thunder was already losing to the Hilltops. Could see like the they had a nice crowd of over twenty two hundred. They lost also thirty six to six. So all the losing Regina teams only got six points. It was awful. At least the Riffle Royals beat the O'Neill Titans on. Yeah, and there again, and there again, and there again. <laughs> My nephew's the quarterback of O'Neill. Oh. So Sorry. that's where my kids went to school. That's where you went to school. But my nephew, that's who I, I've got skin in the game there. My, he uh, got his ass kicked. My friend, Jens Johnson, is helping Coach O'Neill. Yeah, okay. So there, your friend. Why were you cheered for Riffle then? You should cheer for your buddy, Jens. And I, I wasn't cheering for anybody, to be honest. Riffle with you. scored four special teams touchdowns. Do you know who the special teams coordinator of the Riffle Royals is? It's not Derek Peel. Kyle Borsa. Kyle Borsa, no. Huh? Running the special okay. team. So there you go. I see you. Um, yeah, so the Rough Rider game was just awful. In fact, this will be the shortest Rider Rewind ever. Here we go. 
22 is up and it's good. He's made 19 straight. Brett Lothar's back. Here's Prukop under the center. Kolonkowski will keep and he will push into the end zone for the Winnipeg Blue Bomber touchdown. And they hand it off to Oliveira. A little search play and he breaks through the middle. He's at the 40, 30, and he's going to be tackled from behind by Jackson Ford. Back pedals three steps. Now he's under pressure. Steps up. He shovels it off. It's complete. Oliveira down Main Street. He's in for the touchdown. And Zach Kalaros with his improvisational skills has the Winnipeg Blue Bombers into a nice juicy lead early. Fake a jet sweep and an inside handoff and they throw down near the five and it's caught. Kenny Lawler spinning for the goal line. He dives. He lost the ball. Dolagala play action. He's going up top. Pumps. Pumps. Can't find anybody. And he's going to get sacked. Here's the shotgun snap. Pump fake. Going up top. Down the right sideline for Schoen. That one is caught. How did he catch that? Deontay Williams was right there. Kalaros, he's going to hurl this one to the right side. It's caught. Touchdown. We are getting. Golden Schoen runs the corner route. Here's a pass. Right side. End zone. It's caught. Touchdown. Golden Schoen behind Nick Marshall. Oh, man. Can we do the Roberto Durant? No boss. Kalaros. Has both hands on the ball, throws underneath on a slant route to the goal line for the touchdown. It's a hat trick for Dalton Schoen. They walk away with a big victory over your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, 51-6. to Yeah, Dalton Schoen is almost unstoppable. I'm telling you this right now. I don't I, like him. No, I don't. He's I'm, too good for me. I'm putting this on the radar here. There's a kid that plays with my son in North Dakota. You watch the game. His name's Bo Belquist. He's oh. 6'1". He's 185 pounds. Number one. Number one, he will get a couple of free agent uh, um, looks in the NFL, like go to a rookie camp. This kid, and my son's got him turned on to the CFL. Uh, without a word of a lie, this game, no, because they were playing at the same time. But usually if there's an odd, like Friday night here, they're going to come to Ethan's apartment, and there's going to be about five or six of them. They mute the TV and listen to the to the broadcast, because he's got to listen to his dad do the games, and they absolutely love the CFL. They're following all the Instagram pages and players and stuff. And Bo Belquist didn't really know what the CFL was. Now he's pumped. And that guy is a Weston Dressler type. He's taller mm. than Weston Dressler. He's not He's not blazing fast. Neither was Weston. But he can run east and west. He's quick as a hiccup. He's got great hands. He's tough. That's going to be a CFL guy. You watch. I, I would love to I've see I've already that. told. I've already put that on the Kyle Carson's radar. The Riders player personnel guy. said, so you got to look into that guy. Because he is a great football player. And I, I watched Dalton Schoen. He's the same kind of guy. He just He's not blazing fast. He just gets open, make plays. I'd love to. We can't let that guy we cannot let a guy like that end up in Winnipeg. He's, we got to start finding those guys. Got to get he those guys. He catches everything that, that dude, too. Belquist, yeah. yeah. Everything. Absolutely everything. Him. I'm telling you. He's a Weston wrestler. Dressler's a legend there. That guy's going to be great. Um, so, yeah. I mean, what are you going to say about that game, Zinger? Whether you lose by two points or 45 points, and I love some of the narrative I'm seeing out of Winnipeg from some of their from one of their media guys who I have a lot of respect for. I don't remember a beating like that. Oh, okay. You don't you don't remember us clobbering you 52 nothing here in a Labor Day Classic? You don't remember when the Riders were crap, fired, 
It was, I think that was the year they fired Greg Marshall, and they lost 50. They came in Swaggerville, and they got smoked 55-10 here. Well, the Bombers, they were a losing team for basically 30 years outside of the yeah. 2001 Grey Cup yeah. appearance. Yep. And they lost that to an eight and ten team. Yeah, they've been a losing. Marcus Crandall, baby. They've been a losing, crappy team. I'll give you this though. I'll give you this. I don't know if they have the loudest fans, but they have the loudest stadium. It is the loudest stadium, and I have to give them that. It is the loudest stadium. Architecture. It is the way that architecture. Architecture. It, it's the way. It's the way that it was built. It's closer to the field. It goes straight up. They've got that cheap. T- roof over top of it that keeps all the sound in and it's really more condensed. It feels like an NFL field on top of you that way. So I'll give them that. And they've got a great fan base. They've got the second best fans in the league and probably the third best stadium in the league behind the BC lines in my opinion. But they just need new scoreboards in my opinion. Oh, that too. That then too. The scoreboards on some rinky dink poles and, looks and, foolish. And I know it doesn't matter to fans. But downstairs, like our media, our our like um, our area where the teams are and everything, visitor and home, million times better in Regina. The broadcast booth, I gotta stick my head out. You'll see when you go to Winnipeg. Stick my Next head weekend. out. Turn to the right, turn to the left to see the scoreboards. Like it's it's not it's not conducive at all. It was exactly like that at Griffith Stadium on Friday. I had a put my whole head out the window and crank it like this ball so yep. to see the score. And that's what it is in Winnipeg. That's kind of yeah, what you it is. Yeah, you were like Winnipeg. on the 30-yard line. That, yeah. That's, that's rare. I'm on the 30, yeah, for sure. So, uh, but hey, and kudos to the Bombers. That's a good football. That's a great football they team. They got to lose those unis, though. Those are Oh, those awful. are awful. Like, that look like hockey what, jerseys. What is that? Yeah, yeah. But, but listen, listen. They got, we kicked the Hornets' nest here. We embarrassed them with our third quarterback and our fifth set of offensive linemen. We were playing with house money. If I told Ryder Nation that we'd be 6-6 six and six with six games to go and uh, a chance to real, like this, Zinger. I think we're in agreement here. If the Riders win this game against Edmonton, and no, it won't be easy. I understand it won't be easy. But if we win this game against Edmonton, and it's a winnable game. This is a game Riders are three-point favorites right now. And it's probably because of our injuries and uncertainty at quarterback. Not uncertainty, but we're trying to figure it out. If the Riders win this game, they basically are almost in the playoffs. Mm, yeah, they'll be seven and six, seven, and, the, and, and the Stamps don't play this week, so the Riders will be a full three games right, up on the Stamps. Right, and we could even be, depending how things shake down in BC, two weeks from now, and we've got another winnable game against Ottawa. If the Riders don't, the Riders have to win this game. This is a game you cannot lose. But the big concern for me, Sean is the Rough Riders can't win on the road outside of Alberta. Like, they got... The the Toronto game in Halifax was not as bad as the 31-13 score would indicate, but it was 31-13. Then they got absolutely uh, pumped by the Montreal Alouettes, 41-12. And then this one was a debacle right from the get-go. It was embarrassing, 51-6. So the Rough Riders have to get that figured out, or they're not doing anything this well, year. I'll be you really win the road. I'll be really worried if they lose in Ottawa next week. Then you can be like, okay, they cannot win on the road. But if we beat Ottawa, oh, okay, you know. <laughs> let's let let's just listen. Do you remember last year? Right about this time, when the Riders hanging in the playoff picture still, they weren't as comfortable as they are now. Remember, Edmonton came in here and beat the Rough Riders? That's where the wheels fell off that this was, time last that year. That was Taylor Cornelius's best effort 
in his career. Oh, it's going to be such a nightmare. I feel like chasing around Trey Ford on Friday. Yeah, oh. but he's not a great passer. I know, of the football. but like right now, he doesn't need to be. He's still running the ball around and no, making no, huge listen, plays. Listen, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. That is an inex. That will be an absolutely inexcusable loss here. On I'm putting the pressure on the team. They have to win this game. I'm not like yeah, they have to. I'm just There's saying no it's going to be hard. Lose. There's no way. Well, yeah, it's not going to be easy. It's professional football. It's never going to be easy. There's no way they should lose. No way. Well, it was easy for the Bombers on the weekend. Hey, this is why... Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> this is why I This is why I love doing this job, okay? We got this, all right? Uh, from uh, Ursula and Bruce Taylor from Swan River, Manitoba. Got this email sent to uh, the program director, Brad Bazin, in Yorkton on GX94, part of the Rider Radio Network, and... Uh-huh. She said this, even though I'm a Bomber fan, I'd like to acknowledge to your announcers of the game yesterday on your radio station how much I enjoyed their broadcast of the game. Of course, I am happy with the outcome. As we had to go to Brandon for a medical appointment, we were not able to watch the game. Listening to the game with you was very enjoyable. We appreciated your coverage as it was almost like we were there. Was quite impressed that they were able to get all the advertisements in without skipping a beat. All our sponsorship and stuff. Was much more entertaining than listening to coverage on TV, as they always are skipping around to replays that are confusing and sometimes miss the original plays. Just wanted to let you know it was a good job. Sorry the score was one-sided, but next to the Bombers, you're our second favorite team. Thank you again. We enjoyed our ride back home listening to you. So that's cool. When there a, you go. When a hated fan base, somebody behind enemy lines. So I uh, put this up on... Uh, on social media, and I got this from Thomas Dunlop. That's right, I'll call you out. How this reads to me, I only pay attention to positive things people tell me and ignore block the criticisms. Michael Ball has privately DM'd some of my friends for just liking tweets of people who critique him. If you're going to be a public figure, you got to take it all. Get a grip, dude. 936-6262 or 1-866-767-0620. The phones are open. You're, you are encouraged to call us. It's wide open. I'm not getting into Twitter debates or Facebook debates on Facebook or Twitter. We do it here on the radio. If you want to call in Thomas or Shane who says, I quit listening because you interrupt people, call in. Call in. That's a lost art, facing people face-to-face. I, I actually had one media type call me out on online yeah. and called me, a, called me a pretty... Was a bully. And he and I came to an agreement behind the scenes, and he apologized, and I said, you know what, man? Let's move on. I enjoy your work. But we're wide open here. Here's what I say. I don't block everybody, but I do block... The, the the goofball ones that are totally disrespectful. And I'll call you a goofball if that's the name you want. Here's the analogy I'll use. Why would I let you come into my hell house, take a dump on my living room floor, and then I'm going to wipe your butt and sit you at my table and feed you a sandwich and give you a beer? Why would I do that? Why would I do that? Of course I'm going to block you. Please don't do that. If you want to te- if you want to send in some reasonable critiques instead of worst announcer in a league, look at this clown show. One-sided. Well, of course I'm going to be more riders. Zinger, you listen to every one of my games. I'm not, every play. Every play. I did I did I was I whining and crying on Saturday? No, 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 no. It was a fi- I gave credit where credit was due. No moss. And anybody no. said and anybody that said I condone Pete Robertson, 
You can find our audio at the Rider Radio Podcast. And you can listen to every game that I've ever done. And I challenge you to listen to our broadcast with myself and the great Luke Molitor and listen to other teams' broadcasts and tell me if I'm not more fair to both teams. I'll stand by that. Okay? I'm with you, man. Like crazy. I hear every single play. Crazy. Anyway, now you're Best broadcast in the league. I appreciate that. You have the best one, too. You know, here, let's love each other. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. 936 62 the number to call, 1 Hey, Call in. We got we're we're open. We're wide open. Three to six. And it doesn't just have to be good stuff about me, about the team, as long as it's fairly respectful and we can air it. We'll take a break. Be back with Tan, uh, Tanner Howell, the Pats, in a moment on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, time to keep the show rolling, and we are going to switch the gears to hockey with Tanner Howe, the face of the Regina Pats. Before I get into that, man, a lot of the MMA world is talking about the Strickland uh, win over at Asanya. Uh, They're saying, is that the biggest upset ever? Uh, Do you watch MMA? I'm curious. Yeah, I know. A lot of us got together and watched that. Yeah, it was was obviously uh, the world changing. Obviously, from Izzy, obviously, uh, wasn't his best fight, but yeah. Cool hey, uh, so a, a guy that's a, an elite athlete like yourself, how much of those underdog stories fuel a guy like you? Because you are kind of an underdog. You came up, you came up from the fourth line all the way to the first line, and uh, never missed a beat last year. Yeah, I know it's awesome. Obviously, the, the underdog stories is, are always the best stories. So yeah, just when you when you see them on on YouTube or something like that, the the underdogs or. The betting odds and stuff like that. You know, it's pretty cool to see them see them win and do good. Hey Tanner, who'd be the best MMA fighter in the Pats locker room right now? Um, I think Corbin would have to take that one. <laughs> oh, he would. Yeah. Who do you think? Who do you think you could comfortably your teammate? Who Who yeah. do you think you could comfortably get in the octagon with and beat? Uh, Borja Vallis for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. Hey, who's your best friend on the team? I mean, everyone. I mean, everyone's, we're all pretty tight, but I mean, probably Vallis, we probably hang out the most. I mean, we live pretty, not too far from each other. So yeah, just getting together, watching the fights and stuff like that. And yeah. Yeah. Tanner, uh, your friend Connor Bedard is now off a first overall pick. How proud are you of him and what he did? Yeah, I know. It's awesome. I mean, he's probably, I think he's getting camp going right now and you're in Chicago. So yeah, just. Looking forward to watch him play and see all the things he accomplishes this year. And, yeah, just so happy for him. I mean, he's going to love it. Don't worry. It's not about Connor Bedard. He's gone. But I wanted to, you know, it's it's great to get an inside look. Do you talk to him quite a bit? How's, how's he enjoying his time? Is there a, a big culture shock for him there? Yeah, I know. I talk to him quite a bit, obviously. And, yeah, I know. He, he loves it down there. I mean, working pretty good. And, yeah, he's getting it going now. So, yeah, it'll be awesome. Okay, so let's talk about your game, man. A lot's expected of you. You are uh, kind of the face of this franchise. Uh, do you feel like you've got big enough shoulders to take that on? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, we're we're all the team. We're all going to step up and do our thing. But for me, I think there's something on my game big time and kind of just produce in that way and kind of be my best every single night. And, yeah. yeah and what, what do you want to do to take your game to the next level, Tanner? Yeah, I think just be consistent every night. I mean, Never, never have an off night, and I think that'll come a long way, and it'll 
bring the team all together and make the team come a long way too. Like uh, you're an excellent player. A lot of people have talked uh, first round pick, maybe high second round pick as you're in your draft year. So you've got a lot of great skills. I love watching you play. But when you watch the guy like Connor Bedard, I know he's a he's an otherworldly player, but what from his game could you take and go, okay, I'm going to try that. Or yeah, I see what he does there. Yeah, I mean, his, his work ethic is one thing. I mean, on and off the ice, I mean, he's, he's the hardest worker out there no matter what. I mean, that's a that's a big one. That can get you to the next next stage. And, yeah, just on the ice is his shot. I mean, you got to have a good shot to score goals. So I think that's probably the biggest one. Are you uh, are you getting more comfortable being the spokesman of this team? Like, I know there are other guys, but let's be honest. They were looking for a marketing campaign, and I know they're like, okay, we're going to make Tanner Howe our marketing. You know, he's, we're going to market his face. Are you getting more comfortable with that? Yeah, now that it's kind of getting going here, the season's kind of starting up, camp's over. I mean, getting more used to it. And, yeah, no, it's, it's not too bad at all. I kind of enjoy it. So, What's the message from your new general manager, Al Miller, when he's addressed the team? Yeah, I mean, we just got to be, be the hardest working team in this league. I mean, to beat teams, we got to outwork them and outplay them every each night. And, yeah, just hard working, hard working team. Yeah, and uh, what about the Brad Haroff? You know him. He's been on the bench. Uh, but uh, what do you see from him as the head guy now? Yeah, I think him and Al think alike. I mean, hard work and obviously start practices, a lot of battling, a lot of hard work and, and skating, kind of getting in that game shape. And I think I think that's huge. I mean, for us to beat team this year, we're not going to beat them by outskilling them. we got to work hard and just, yeah, I'll work them. But uh, I think you'd like this because apparently those guys, like uh, they like to score goals. They like to go on the offense, don't they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tanner, thanks for your time, man. Best of luck, and uh, yeah, don't get any, into any octagons. We need you on the ice. Yeah, no, for sure. Thank you so much. Each week, the sports cage highlights a coach making a difference both on and off the playing surface. This is the Coach of the Week. All right, uh, we'll go to the NFL week number one. We're going to get into this in more in a second here, the NFL, but um, my Coach of the Week, the... Um, the runner-up is Josh McDaniels. The, remember, he was a Denver Broncos coach, I think, for one season with t- Tim Tebow, and he got gassed. Uh, was going to be an Indianapolis Colts co- uh, coach, but then decided to uh, leave them in the lurch and go back to New England. Then he goes to Vegas. Uh, not so great the first year. Derek Carr and him have a falling out. Takes Jimmy Garoppolo. All Jimmy G does is throw just, you know, relatively consistent games. And they go in and beat Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos, his old team, in Payton's debut, 17-16. But my coach of the week is the guy who actually gets to be a coach because he doesn't have to have all his plays changed by Aaron Rodgers. This guy across the lunch nook from me here, the snack nook, Sean Kleisinger said, Jordan Love's going to be better than everybody thinks. Jordan Love was throwing off his back foot across the field. He made the Bears look real bad. Moral of the story, Aaron Rodgers no longer a Packer. Packers still own the Bears. 245 yards passing and three touchdowns. Matt LaFleur actually looks like an NFL coach now, and he's going to get credit. I'm I'm buying what you're selling, Zinger. Matt LaFleur, the NFR, the uh, coach of the week for the sports cage. 
3.36 with the sports ticker. The first Monday night football game of the new season goes tonight in the Meadowlands as the Buffalo Bills meet the New York Jets. And what is the highly anticipated first game under center for Jets' new starting quarterback, Aaron Rodgers? Bills defensive back, Damar Hamlin, who of course suffered cardiac arrest on the field last season. He is not expected to suit up tonight. Bills and Jets kick off at 6.15. At the Wireless Age, your SaskTel authorized dealer, the more data you get, the more you save. New SaskTel customers or existing customers adding a line can save $10 a month on a total share 15 gigabyte plan or $15 on the VIP 35 plan or total share 25, 50 or 100 gigabyte plans. Want to save more? Bring your own device and save an extra $20 a month. With these savings, get 25 gigabytes of unlimited voice and data for only $65 a month. See the Wireless Age, your SaskTel authorized dealer. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Tonight, on Monday Night Football, the Bills and the 2.5-point underdog Jets clash in a game with an over-under 45.5 combined points. Will Josh Allen attempt over-under 30 passes? Will the Jets' defense give up over-under 21 points? Will Aaron Rodgers consume ayahuasca and hallucinate over-under four sky demons? And will I get over this gambling addiction of mine? All of those questions, except one, will be answered tonight on Monday Night Football. Time now for another Pick 6 with Ballsy and Friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. Let's talk NFL, bro. Okay, so we got to get to our pick six, and um, let's start with the Bears and the Packers. Chicago shouldn't be too shaken up by this loss. This wasn't supposed to be a championship team, but the worst part about it is they expected, I think the rest of the NFC North expected Jordan Love to suck, and he was fantastic. 245 yards passing, three touchdowns, and big-ticket acquisitions on defense. Tremaine Edmonds uh, made eight tackles, two for losses, and, and notched the sack. The Packers still scored more points than anybody else on Sunday afternoon. Think about that. Yeah, the only other team that beat them was the Cowboys, the 40 yeah. nothing win. Right, but during the afternoon, yeah, I, I say saying, Sunday yep. afternoon, yep. even the Dolphins, who uh, could, you know ran yep. all over my Chargers, uh, yeah, the Packers, that's a big win. That's a great win for them. you so got to be happy. So what you're saying is the Bears still suck. Yeah, they're, they suck. They yeah. suck. I, I wonder if... Uh, Caleb Williams will be... They'll move up to get Caleb Williams. Uh, Here's a question for you. Number two, Browns-Bengals. How concerned should the Bengals be about their offensive struggles in a 24-3 loss? Rain-soaked Cleveland-Ohio to the Browns. Now, Burrow only passed for 82 yards, the lowest of his professional career. Um, I don't think he's going to go a whole game again throwing eight times to T. Higgins and not completing one. Remember early last year we were talking about how crappy their paper-mâché, peanut-brittle-like offensive line was, and they ended up uh, three points away from going to another Super Bowl? Yeah. Uh, I think they'll be okay, I but man... I don't make much of that game. Cleveland dominated, though, man, and they look like a pretty good team. Yeah. I'm not a Deshaun Watson fan. I don't think he's a great passer of the football, but uh, they got it done. They got a great defense, and Jim Schwartz has really got... That defense is going to be great under him. He's an underrated coach. He actually had Detroit relevant when he yeah, was a head coach. I just don't see the... Yeah. Week one, uh, the Browns. Do it for a couple more weeks. I know Andy Mack is out there. Okay, so let's go to number three, okay? Do you believe this guy now? Do it for a couple more weeks. Are Brock Purdy and the 49ers just this good zinger? 
Or are the Steelers really that bad at 30-7 to for the 49ers? No, I think the Steelers, or I'm sorry, I think the 49ers are pretty good okay. football team. So Purdy's first game after elbow surgery offseason, he was Mr. Irrelevant, seventh round pick. Do we have to start buying our stock now? Like, are we believing what we're seeing now? He's won like six straight starts, I think it is, in the regular season. Nah, I, th- I think so, Ballsy. It's it's getting close to that time. It's not a fluke at this no. point. And in and in and in um in the game, two great performances. Christian McCaffrey, 152 rushing yards. Guy's a stud. But how about T.J. Watt? T.J. Watt registered five quarterback hits, two forced fumbles, and a recovery. I'll take T.J. Watt over Nick Bosa any day of the week. Oh, yeah, Nick Bosa. Man, time has passed him by. The Packers could have drafted T.J. Watt, but they passed on him. (laughs) Okay, let's get to the next one. Uh... Brandon Staley, defensive guru, my butt. The Chargers fell to the Dolphins 36-34 on Sunday afternoon at SoFi Stadium. Tyreek Hill had 11 pass receptions for 215 yards and two touchdowns. Miami quarterback Tua Tungavailoa threw for 466, averaged more than 10 yards per attempt and 17 yards per completion. Um... So Staley said they were going to be much better because they got every everybody's back basically, and the only two guys they added were two veterans, including Hendrick, uh, Kendricks, who came over from the uh, 49ers or from the uh, Vikings. They gave up 536 yards of offense. The Dolphins punted one time. <laughs> Ma, what was going on in that football game? They couldn't cover at least, anybody. At least the Chargers won the game that we went to last yeah, year when and, they played and, the Dolphins. And, and they and you know the funny thing about that? The Dolphins had all the same personnel. The Chargers had a terrible offensive line and way worse on defense singer, and they still beat Miami that day. Crazy. And and I'm gonna tell you the most Charger thing ever, okay? <laughs> Since two thousand Teams that rush for more than 200 yards, the Chargers did, allow fewer than 100 yards rushing, which the Chargers did, didn't turn the ball over, which the Chargers did, plus won the turnover margin by two or more, were 110 and zero until yesterday. That is what we call in my team's uh, fan base, Chargering. Uh, okay. Um, number five of the pick six. Is this, this is a legitimate question for you. Is this the worst home opener in the history of home openers? The Giants got absolutely, they got spanked. Like Mike, 40 to nothing. Mike, McCar- Mike McCarthy's calling plays for the first time since 2018 when he sunk my organization into the dirt. But he looked like he was on fire yesterday. But he didn't have they, to call they, any they, plays. They had, a, they had a block punt return or block field goal return for a touchdown and a pick six for a touchdown. Well, Daniel Jones. Is this one of the cases where the guy gets paid and he kind of just packs it in and coasts now? Like, Well, why did he why, get paid? He I didn't do I anything. I don't know. Because he had a couple nice runs last year and they threw millions at him. Yeah. That's what I feel. Yeah, anyway, number six on the pick six. Uh, which player gets your week one game ball for his unexpected contributions to his team's victory? For me... It's uh, how do you how do I say this? Puka Nakue mm. with Cooper Cup sidelined and growing concerns he could be gone for a long time with that hamstring. 
Nakuas, I think how you say it. The fifth round pick from BYU was targeted 15 times. He caught 10 of them for 119 yards in the Rams' big lopsided win in Seattle. He had three 100-yard games last year in college against Arkansas, Liberty, and Boise State. And this guy now comes into the NFL his first game against a really good Seahawks defense. He gets a game ball. I'm giving mine, obviously, to Jordan Love. I was expecting him to play good, mm-hmm. so, but he's going to get half of my ball. The other half of my football is going to go to Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Bucks Ooh. taking down the Vikings in Minnesota. God, that was a beautiful oh, game. Oh, Tampa, hey, eh? wow. Oh, I love that game before the, the Packer game the, started. The first week is the first week is always just... Know. You know, if there were that many bad... And now, listen, they've got 32 teams. We've got nine. But if... Over like if if three of the four games in the CFL were that bad six three six six like what was what was that Tennessee Saints unwatchable one sixteen fifteen mm-hmm. if we had a CFL we did have a CFL game like this thirteen twelve how many people were all over after that Ryder Elks game saying what an unwatchable game in the NFL oh it's what wonderful entertainment we had a sixteen to fifteen final New Orleans over Tennessee and I believe the Raiders over Denver was seventeen sixteen it was the just- game of the day was the Chargers uh, Dolphins like back and forth like scoring in excitement yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely anyway that's a pick six nine three six sixty two sixty two the number to text let's get to a couple of texts here while we can before we go to break as you uh you sent me a couple of texts here. I just got to find them. Hold up. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. There it is. I got this from uh, Greg DeRoe. Hey, guys, I believe that the Winnipeg roof is metal while ours is fabric. That's why theirs is louder, their stadium. Well, and they got a good fan base. Those people are coming, and they're loving their Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and why not? It's. Uh, but let's be honest here. Mm-hmm. That, that is why the Seattle Seahawks stadium is so loud. It's mm-hmm. It's... The roof. Yeah. It's the science around yeah. that roof. Yeah. Uh, George says, hey, Zinger, how about them Packers? Yeah, how about them, baby? Yeah. Bears still suck. I'm not going to celebrate too much. It's just the same old story, beating the Bears. Yeah. It's whatever. You Winnipeg know. Blue Bombers, kind of like that with the Riders. Uh, this anonymous texter says, Winnipeg Blue Bombers need to be way less good. <laughs> yeah. uh, your English needs to be better, although I'm sure that's a joke. Hey, Ballsy, what can we do about this thing called the... We know what they call it in Winnipeg. I call it the Labor Day rematch. I know we can't stop Winnipeggers from saying it, but I'm thinking somebody can tell TSN to stop using the offensive language. Uh, you yeah, know, after the Labor Day Winnipeg. classic, it's, it's just it's ingrained. It's nationally. ingrained now. It is green, ingrained. I don't nationally. think it's going away. Unfortunately. Uh, um, hi there. In Dolagala's post game comments, he said Winnipeg did a really good job on the back end. Uh, some of the stuff. We had last week wasn't there. Was he suggesting the riders were out coached? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes coaches make adjustments. I think, hey, you can't blame that game. I hate that when, when teams lose, that's the first thing people say they were out coached. In some cases, they are. But that was just a, p- a pathetic, pitiful performance like the Montreal game. It's worse because we actually had a whole week off there. That was a terrible performance by the Riders. You can't be outcoached when like every single play is going against your team. I mean, they it, punted the, the only time they punted was with a minute to go in the game. No. 
It's crazy. No, it's and I got this one. It's always good. Hey, proving we read good or bad texts from Darcy, the bomber fan in Bullier. Uh, oh. How does the crow taste ballsy? Ha ha, you loser. Oh, that's yeah. not nice. Well, that's a typical Winnipeg Blue Bomber fan. For the most part, uh, they like to just call names, but that's okay. Hey, they won. So, and they clinched the playoff spot, as did the Toronto Argonauts. Yeah, well, we won the week before, so take yeah. that. We'll have a quick, Darcy. Uh, we'll have a quick chat with uh, Pete Pasco coming up about high school football. Get his thoughts on that debacle and his Green Bay Packers, too. And then Zinger will do our power rankings in the CFL. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Let's keep the show rolling. Hey, uh, Pete Pasco joining us from Locker Talk. He's our halftime huddle host. He'll be in the uh, booth at halftime on uh, Friday. Hey, Pasco. Um, are you uh, are you like Zinger? You knew it all along. Jordan loves the guy. Oh yeah, I was super. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm happy about the result, but I think there were a lot of questions about Jordan Love. And honestly, he was good. He wasn't amazing. So it's just the fact that the Packers own the Bears, and that's how it always is. I think it's great, though. I made Matt Lafleur my coach of the week. Matt Lafleur finally gets to be a coach. Like he doesn't call a play and then have Aaron Rodgers nix it at the line. Yeah, no kidding. And he actually gets to implement his entire offense, and uh, it looked pretty good. I mean, he involved a lot of guys, whereas Aaron Rodgers usually only had eyes for number seventeen back in the day. And uh, this is this is a more diverse offense, I think. I don't think Justin Fields is an NFL quarterback. You know, I'm a big Ohio State fan in college football. I know that's, that's where Fields came from. He looked like a different quarterback in college than he does now. I don't know if getting to the Bears just makes you suck, but he does not throw the ball at an NFL level right now. No, um, and I don't know how Brandon Staley is a head coach in the NFL. They should have gassed him after last year when they blew a 27 nothing lead in the playoffs to Jacksonville. I'm talking about the Chargers, and he is not a defensive guru. Like They're, they're brutal. I remember texting you after that Chargers uh, loss, Saying, well, at least you'll be done with Staley now. <laughs> and he's back. That's amazing. Isn't it amazing? Uh, by all accounts, he's probably the worst head coach in the NFL, and uh, he's certainly off to another great start. Yeah. Um, is there a more tortured fan base in the NFL than mine? Ooh. Man. Well, I don't know. Atlanta Falcons, 28-3. to um, True. But, That's a good point. Yeah, you guys are up there. Oh, we find ways to. How do you? Here's 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 a good one for you, Pete. The Dolphins have nine seconds left on their side of the field, and they still got a field goal because the eighty-three million dollar corner who can't cover anybody, J.C. Jackson, pushes a guy in the back when it's not a hail mary situation, giving them a field. Like it was one of the dumbest penalties I've ever seen. And there were some beauties yesterday in the NFL. It was well, obviously it was Week One because some of the mistakes were just. Head scratchers in terms of really, you're taking that penalty. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, so Pete, I uh, yeah, you've been a coach. You've been blown out. You've blown teams out. How do you approach what happened to the Riders? Oh my God. My goodness. You know, I was I was thinking about that earlier. I think you just have to throw it out. You really do. I mean, where do you where do you start with that? You can't point your finger at one player or one area and say. Okay, if we get that guy fixed up, then then uh, the outcome would have been much different. No, they just came out and they laid an egg. 
they uh, they soiled the sheets, whatever other phrases you want to use. They they were bad from beginning to end across the board. There was no oh, Larry Dean had a pretty good game, uh, but other than that, no one did. Can I ask you? I want to talk about two quarterbacks, Jake Dolagala and Trey Ford. Can you? Can you teach guys to be a good passer? Like, for instance, Dan Marino always said this. He said, you can't teach somebody to be accurate. They're either accurate or they're not accurate. Um, I think Jake Dolagala's got a huge arm. Uh, he hasn't done a lot to hurt the team. And I think that's a positive. And I'm behind him. But uh, it, accuracy would probably be his biggest. Consistently accurate would be his biggest thing. Can you teach somebody to be accurate? I think you can. Honestly, I think you can, although there's a lot of habits that are ingrained into a guy by the time he's 26 and playing in the CFL. So it, it's hard to just completely scrap it and say, okay, start over. I mean, you look at Michael Bishop. A number of coaches tried a number of different ways to make him a more accurate passer. Did not work. Um, in terms of Dola Gallo, I think it's just a matter of mixing up the velocity on his throws once in a while. Like, not every throw needs to be thrown at 100 miles an hour. That's a good point. And when he, when he gets that, then I think the accuracy will follow. I don't think, like, is Trey Ford going to be a good passer of the football? Do you think he's still young? I don't want to jump on him. I don't want to jump on Jake either. They're all professional athletes. Trey Ford's an unbelievable athlete, but right now he's not a great passer of the football. I said to someone yesterday, I said, I like this Trey Ford. He's a heck of a football player, but I don't believe he's a great quarterback, at least not yet. Uh, and that's the big difference. He's not a polished product. Um, but having said that, at least he's given the Edmonton Elk some hope and he's not making as many boneheaded decisions as Taylor Cornelius did. So is he a great quarterback? Is he a great thrower of the football? No, not yet. Will he be? Well, I think he's got the skills that he could be. I think the Rams got to be concerned after they got their lunch handed to them uh, basically two games in a row for the most part. Um, they better win this game against the Calgary Dinos or they could be staring over down the, you know, in the mirror. I think so. And there's a lot of people that I've talked to, and a lot of them are either associated with the Rams or alumni of that organization. And they're not expecting a lot this year. Um, it's tough because, I mean, you look at, well, we always like to focus on the quarterbacks. You look at a kid like uh, Pelche, he was a starter last year, did pretty well, I thought, uh, came into a tough situation. And uh, this year he has not looked great. So, I mean, do you make a change or do you stick with the kid and be patient? That's a tough call, and I'm, I'm going to leave that one to Mark McConkey to figure out. I um, I uh, yeah, I don't know, man. That's uh, it's going to be interesting. And I uh, I think the Hilltops were a little pissed off that the round, that the uh, Thunder were owning the league. Oh, do you think? <laughs> oh yeah, the Hilltops definitely had a whole off season to do about another playoff loss to the Thunder, and I mean, I guess the only saving grace if you're a Hilltop fan is the Thunder didn't win the national championship, but yeah, Saskatoon's junior football team does not like to be second best in the country, mind you, not in their own province. So uh, yeah, they came out and they they sent a message. Uh, Crazy, man. Uh, Pete, uh, you guys lost to Johnson. It was a a tight game. Who do you got this week? We have Tom, and uh, we're really looking forward to that. Tom won their season opener, so they're, oh, they're wow. riding a high. That's awesome. Yep. Who'd they beat? Uh, they beat Balfour. Okay. That's their, their first win since, uh, I believe it was the 2018 season. Interestingly, I coached at Tom in 2017. We won four games, so I don't think it was me. But anyway, um, 
what's going on is we're playing them. That's that's first and foremost. But this is also a big uh, sort of a football unites against cancer game is, is what we're calling it. Both teams have have cancer that has affected their programs. Both teams have a coach and. Sheldon's case, it's me. That's uh, that's battled cancer or is battling cancer, and uh, so both teams are going to raise as much money as they can, raise as much awareness as they can, and hopefully make this an annual thing. How are we raising money, Pete? What are we doing for that? There's a donation happening at the gate. Uh, I don't know if they'll be passing a hat during the game. Probably not, but uh, certainly you can make a donation at the gate. You can also contact either school. Tom or Sheldon, and uh, get in touch with the, the head coach. At Tom, it's Ross Vanstone, and at Sheldon, it's Chris Latimer. And they will be more than glad to tell you how you can support the cause. There's also uh, commemorative T-shirts being printed that will be available for sale at the game as well. And where's that game, Pete? What time? Oh, you had to do that. Too. Oh, sorry. Uh, five fif- no, I got it. Five fifteen at Mosaic. And that's on Thursday or Friday. That is on a Wednesday evening. Wednesday. Okay, good. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, you better know when the game is. You're the coach, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, by the way, before we let you go, everything everything's still good with you? You're, you're still winning the battle? Yeah, so far so good. Uh, I think I go for another uh, scan in October. I don't know the exact date. Hopefully that's more good news, and away we go. You got a, you're all clean-shaven, man. That's awesome. Now, are you growing it out, though, for the playoff beard or what? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I probably will. Hey, uh, Pushing football on the prairies in September and October does get a little chilly, so facial hair might not hurt. And lastly, when's Locker Talk fire up on Access again? Well, coincidentally, uh, we tape our season premiere tomorrow night, so it'll air Wednesday on the Big Access now. See, I knew I knew what I was doing for a change at least once in a while. boy. Don't tell Bomber fans that. Thanks, Pete. Take care, man. Okay, thank you. That's Pete Pasco from Locker Talk on Access, from uh, Halftime Huddle, and uh, the coach over there at Sheldon, or a coach over at Sheldon, coaches running backs with his son, Jake, who's a lawyer. How did Jake become a lawyer with a dad like Pete? <laughs> Actually, might be a great profession with a dad like Pete. <laughs> this is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. 936-6262, the number to text. Brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. You can also call. Give us a phone call, 936-6262. Or one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. Don't worry, we'll we'll be kind to you. We'll take your opinion. Whether it doesn't, you don't have to agree with us. Just call. I'm I'm into calls. I'm not into this whole back and forth on X or Twitter X or whatever the hell they call it now. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm not getting into Twitter debates on Twitter or Facebook debates on Facebook. I'll do it on the radio, the original social media. Nine three six sixty two sixty two one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. And I'll read your text, even if it's not positive, as long as it's arable, if you leave your name. You leave your name and phone number, I'll read your text. That's how we do it. Be, uh, be up front. Uh, time to head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. And when we're talking about Western Pizza, back into the fall routine, take the night off and let Western Pizza do the cooking tonight. It's Monday Night Football. It's the Jets and it's the um, Bills. Jets are two and a half point dogs on home turf. It is 9-11, of course. We know what happened on September 11th, 2001. This is the, what is this, the 22nd anniversary. Uh, I remember the day before that. It was the Giants against the Denver Broncos, as a matter of fact. Um, mm-hmm. 
And uh, my son was just about to be born three months after that. I remember my then wife laying on the bed in the bedroom and watching on TV and bawling that didn't know what kind of world we were bringing our son into. So No, yeah. So, but anyway. I was eating toaster strudels at the <laughs> kitchen table, about to go to grade four class. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, so um, there's shelter in place. There's apparently a big storm there. So we'll see if Monday Night Football gets delayed or not. Probably will be because they're going to have to limber up and all that type of thing. But uh, Aaron Rodgers' debut uh, for the New York Jets. Time to head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. Speak to the dean at the Edwards School of Business, the dean of this show, the guy who does CFL simulations, uh, Keith Willoughby. Hi, Keeth. How are you? Good day, Ballsy. I'm doing well. Great to talk to you. Yeah, you know what? I didn't like what I saw from the Rough Riders. I'm not going to... Uh, let's start with the negative. They've been blowing out the last three games on home on visiting turf. They haven't won on the road outside of Alberta. Uh, they got embarrassed. It, well, it wasn't as embarrassing as the 31-13 score would indicate uh, versus the Argos in Halifax. It was not a great performance at all. Pathetic, actually. I called it at the time against the Montreal Alouettes there in Montreal. And this one was worse. I didn't think you could be worse, but they were worse here. Um, so I think that's that's a cause for concern because you're going to have to win on the road, right, Keith? It is, yeah. And yeah, you look where the riders are right now. Obviously, this is, we're carving a path that will take us into the playoffs we trust and uh, hopefully to a great cup, but it'll be away from Mosaic. Uh, you make a great point, Ballsy. The, the road games this year, other than the ones in the province of Alberta, of Alberta have been tough. Uh, when the riders lose, uh, we lose big. When we win, we find ways to eke out the victories. But like uh, I guess that old song uh, used to sing from the what, the 1980s, yeah, it ain't pretty. Um, that was not a that was not a pretty game. I, in my mind, we ran into the perfect storm of a bombers buzzsaw. That uh, obviously they were reeling from the uh, close overtime loss the week before in the Labor Day Classic. So in the Labor Day rematch, um, they came out full guns blaze and. Hey, when you're up 42 to six at halftime, uh, I think that's a pretty good indication that uh, they were playing the best game they could ever play. And hey, all we've got to do, Ballsy, all we've got to do is beat the team once. So let's see what happens in November. Well, and the big thing is, is we have to win this game this week. This is a very winnable game. Yes, Edmonton is playing better. They're buoyed by the great young Canadian quarterback. An awesome story that I know as Canadian football supporters we both love. But uh, he's an unbelievable athlete. He'll be the best athlete on the field. I don't know how good of a passer the football he is. I would make him beat me with his arm. The Riders should. This is a. They're only favored by three right now, but. This is a very winnable game. Let's start there. Does your computer have uh, an estimate on whether the Riders win this one or not? Oh, boy. And here's again where I want to give the computer a bit, uh, bit of a, a quick kick in the hard drive. Uh, the computer has the uh, Elks favored by four on the road in Edmonton. Or sorry, uh, on the road in Saskatchewan uh, in this Friday night's game. But um, I agree, Ballsy. This is a game that the Riders need. Now, Edmonton, historically, under Chris Jones, they played us really tough. Remember the, the 12-11 game back here in July, the first game of the season this year when the Riders won by four. Even last year uh, with Taylor Cornelius, the Elks came in and beat us in September. But to me, I think this is one of those games, sort of like the, the BC home game we had in Labor Day Classic, where I think Coach Dickinson needs to rally the troops, the veterans need to stand up. 
we need to be able to plant the flag on Mosaic property and go to seven and six. Uh, the, the season isn't over if they lose, so I don't want to call it a must win, but it is a must win in terms of mentality, in terms of attitude. They've shown here on home turf the last two times what the effort level needs to be. If they have that type of effort, they should win this one going away. If they don't shoot themselves in the foot, which has been the script the last three home games, they get up and then let the other team back in. I think this uh, this is a game where we can't be looking ahead to later in September. I think it needs to be 60 minutes on Friday night, recognizing that, again, we've got a team that it's it, it's playing stronger. Uh, but let's face it, they're in the basement of the West Division. I think they're scrambling for a playoff spot. But we, as, as the riders, I think we, we, we can play to our potential. Uh, we need to remember that we need to get some gap between us and Calgary. Luckily, the, the Stampeders fell apart the fourth quarter uh in Edmonton against the Elks, which uh, I guess saved us a little bit there. But we we need to assure ourselves that we're comfortably in for a playoff spot and that we're doing what we can. Because after this, we go on the road, Ottawa and BC. And I am penciling that BC game as a big game because if the Riders have any shot whatsoever about finishing with a home playoff game, they need to pull off a victory in BC. Right now, we're two games behind the lines. Uh, but if we win NBC, then we've got the season series. So we need to find one of the games that we can make up against the Lions to fight for second place. Listen, that was an awful performance. The Riders got it given to them. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are a championship team. In fact, their menta- their players do not like to lose. And that was evident. They don't like to lose. And if you're going to be a championship team, you got to do the little things right. And you can't, you can't let losing be acceptable. I'm not saying the Riders are, but the Bombers, it's not acceptable to them. It's not acceptable to lose to another team's third quarterback. They took the Riders behind the woodshed and and gave them a spanking. The Riders have to come back like they did against Montreal after that game and, and answer the bell, and I'm confident they will. Here's another thing that I point to. If I was to tell Rider fans with six games to go, they'd be, and this is not, condoning what they did or settling. But if I was to say the Riders would be down be on their third quarterback with more offensive line injuries and a receiving core that was not what they expected at the start of the year without their best defender in the secondary not named Nick Marshall. They didn't have their safety. They're 6-6 six and six with six games to go. This Rider fan would take that every day of the week. I think he would because a lot of us at the beginning of the season were thinking the Riders are going to be 8-10, and 10, maybe 9-9. Nine and nine. We'll see about how they can contend for a playoff spot. Again, so let's let's recognize, like, if we're playing a game of golf, you know, we just had a really bad hole at hole number 12. We went like a triple bogey. But get that behind us. We're on the tee again. Let's make the, the gosh, we need to in this next hole like we're in a game of golf. Let's recognize that, yeah, a lot of things have happened so far this season. But let's look at the impact of basically having a bunch of players that when we win, we are tested totally and we prove that we can uh, eke out those victories. We prove that we can make the key plays in the fourth quarter. Hey, we're 6-1 and one in one-score games. We're 2-0 and in overtime. That shows that there is a mentality of toughness on this team that will be helpful as we go into the playoffs. And the Riders have done it before. They've come back uh, and, uh, you know, proven that they're a prideful, resilient team after that Montreal game. So I expect it. And remember 1989, they got absolutely bombed by Edmonton uh, and two weeks later came back and pulled off one of the great uh, upsets in CFL made Maybe uh, pro football history when the nine and nine riders beat the sixteen and two then Edmonton Eskimos. Okay, what does your computer say for the outlook the rest of the way? Hey, well, it's not too bad. The computer's projecting us 
finished third in the West, uh, eight and ten right now, giving us a seventy-seven percent chance of making the playoffs. Uh, which hey, I'm still pretty strong. It's a three and three out of four chance we make the playoffs. Two uh, percent chance we host a home playoff game. Astronomically low shot of winning the Great Cup. But hey, for right now, I'm most concerned about this next Friday night's game to ensure we get the seven and six, get some gap between us and Calgary, uh, because. I have not given up on the hope that the Riders can finish second. I think we've shown that we can beat BC. Let's do it. Let's see what we can do at the end of September, and then roll into October and see what happens. Keith, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. You better have a good eight great balls and go Riders. Take care, man. That is Keith Willoughby from the Edwards School of Business. The dean there and the dean of our show is CFL Simulations are here first and then later on the CFL.ca website when we come back. We'll go to the post-game show. We'll hear from our defensive game star, Jackson Ford, Thomas Bertrand, who don't, our offensive game star, and our clutch performance comes from tennis. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. A Grand Slam champion again, Novak Djokovic, his third major title of this season, his fourth U.S. Open, 24 and counting, 24 and he still wants more. Novak, 50 years ago at the U.S. Open, Margaret Court won number 24, total different era, you've come through the golden era, you have 24, what does it mean? Well, uh, I don't know where to start. Um, it obviously means the world to me. Um, you know, I'm kind of repeating myself, but uh, I have to have to say it every time that I'm really living my childhood dream. You know, to compete uh, the highest level in the sport that uh, has given me and my family so much, and to make the history, you know, of, the, of this sport is uh, just something truly remarkable and special obviously in every in every possible way in every possible meaning of the world of the word special i never imagined that i would be here standing with you talking about 24 slams i ne- never thought that that's that that would be the reality but uh, you know uh, last couple of years i felt i have a chance i have a shot at the history um, and why not grab it if it's presented everyone you're 2023 Then everyone, your sports cage clutch performer, Novak Djokovic. For Nick Service and Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the sports cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the sports cage. Let's get to our power rankings. It's funny because people are... They're interested. What's Ballsy? How's Ballsy going to rank the uh, power rankings? We'll get to that in a second. This guy's been waiting for a long time. Uh, name slipping my mind. Let's go to the phones. Hi, who's this? Hello, who's this? Oh. Hi, what's your name? What's your it's name? Warren. W- Warren? Hi, Warren. Thanks for yeah. uh, thanks for holding, man. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling you from Kyle. Kyle, yeah, okay. Yeah. Go, yeah, go ahead, man. So, first thing I'd like to say is uh, it's exciting to listen to you. Uh, I don't know why all these naysayers are out there. Um, 
I have the, had the opportunity to listen to Greg Peterson and Mark Stevens in Calgary. You want to talk about homers, they set the bill. But anyways, I want to talk about your team you had last week, last Monday, about uh, the the rules, mm-hmm. if they fit the team. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. You probably didn't get a chance to watch any of the calgary Empton game on Saturday night because you were probably flying on your way home. Mm-hmm. But uh, Reggie Bagleton slugged uh Empton player right in front of the referee. Now, isn't that ejection isn't that worthy? Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Warren. I was going to bring it up, so right on cue. Yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, so, when I, when I, brought, I, mean, I, I go back. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead, man. No, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say back, you mentioned about, uh, it was Andrew Harris and Dembski back a few years ago in the Labor Day Classic uh, in their offensive when they got touched down. And you mentioned that one of their players, I think it was Harris, or it might have been Dembski, ripped one of their players' helmets off. Mm-hmm. And a couple of our players slugged their players and were immediately ejected. We had two players ejected. And not one of the Blue Bomber players were rejected out of that fiasco. Yeah, that's actually so, that's actually on my Twitter page at the Real Ballsy. I've pinned it yeah. to the top. Anybody that wants to uh, see visually what Warren's talking about, and he's absolutely right. There's also a shot of uh, of Jeff Code hitting uh, Bridge up in the head. My thing is this: I'm not. It's not anti Blue Bombers. What I'm going with is pick and choose justice. And I was proven right this week. Even though people want to say, "Oh, Ballsy's whining again. Can't believe he condoned a headbutt by Pete Robertson." I didn't condone it. The audio is there to listen to if y'all if you ever want to listen to listen if you ever want to listen to what michael ball has to say and truly listen to it go to the sports cage podcast wherever you get your podcast and if you want to listen to our broadcasts and accuse me of it go to the three minute mark of the fourth quarter of the labor day classic and ask yourself truly is michael ball is he is he condoning what pete robertson did Here's my point, Warren. You're absolutely right. Bagleton slugs the Edmonton guy. I just saw the or heard about it. I didn't see it. Um, but he slugs the uh, Edmonton guy. Doesn't get ejected. Earlier, let's let's forget what happened in the Banjo Bowl, as they call it, the Labor Day rematch. Uh, let's forget about that for a second, Warren. And let's go back to the. Let's go back to earlier in the day, the first game. Austin Mack of the Montreal Alouettes slugs a guy, and not even as hard as Begleton slugged the Edmonton guy, and he got kicked out. So one guy gets kicked out in the early game. The exact same thing happens or worse, and the other guy doesn't get kicked out. And and the day before Peter Robertson headbutts Zach Kalaros, and I get it, he's a quarterback, yada, yada, yada. He's more important. I get it, yada, yada, yada. Tyrese Beverett headbutts Andrew Pearson of the BC Lions offensive lineman, knocks his helmet off. Not only, and I looked, I've looked at the CFL website every day. Not only did he not get suspended, he never got a fine. So if you want to tell me that there isn't one team against the other, that there isn't pick and choose justice, I have several examples and the defense rests. I. And you know what? I'm right on beside you there. I saw that Montreal game, and I and then I saw Claire's headbutt Moncrief, and I'm going, and I can guarantee you I wasn't there at the game, but I can guarantee you that uh, Claire's was just a lot of crap to our uh, players. Every because he had he didn't have his best game, but you know what? He doesn't. You know what? You said it best. He's become kind of a, a baby. 
Well, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great quarterback. He's a good player. I'm not going to take yeah. you away. You know what? He is a good player. There's no doubt about it. He's a very good quarterback. Yeah. You know what? Just, just because you're a good quarterback doesn't mean you have a rated passage. Well, no, you're right. In terms of being able to call out the league, that was another thing. Now it's open season. Anybody can call anybody out, and there's no pet. There should be no fine because uh, it, it's got to be fair. But as what we just decided or pointed out, it is not fair. Thanks for the call, man. I appreciate it. Okay. Hey, hey, thanks for taking my call, Mike. Take care. And, uh, Stay excited, buddy. We're going to be in the Grey Cup. <laughs> well, we got a one game at a time. We got to stack games. Uh, okay, so uh, Zinger, we're going to go to break. We'll do a CFL report, and then we're going to come back and hear from Jackson Ford and Thomas Bertrand Houdon from the post game show. Our two game stars in that debacle in Winnipeg. You can call like Warren nine three six sixty two sixty two one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. It's the Sports Cage, the number one listen to sports show as it relates to. CFL? I think in the entire country. It's a show the CFL needs because nobody else does it. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's 433 with your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. A much-anticipated four-game showdown between the Toronto Blue Jays and the Texas Rangers kicks off tonight at Rogers Center. Toronto swept the Kansas City Royals, winning all three games over the weekend. And the Jays, they're really hot right now, going 8-2 and in their last 10. Jays are currently in a wild-card spot going into play tonight. But the Rangers... They are on the heels of the Blue Jays. Just a half a game back, Chris Bassett gets the start for Toronto. 5.07 p.m. opening pitch. The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. Let's go. Spread right, fake spear. Play pass. 16 counters, EV bang. Pull back west right, zoom. Pull back left. Pass half back at zero. Z quick swing left. On one. Right two. The CFL Report is brought to you by Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon. From Kevin's Marine. Check them out in Fort Capel or online at kevinsmarine.com. Well, we know the Rough Riders are coming off that humbling loss in Winnipeg, to say the least. 51-6. to But it doesn't matter if you lose by 2 or 45 in this case. It's still a loss, and the Riders are still in contention, sitting comfortably, at least at the moment, in third place. But they can't get too comfortable with the Edmonton Elks coming to town, led by outstanding young quarterback Trey Ford, the Canadian who went to Waterloo, won the Heck Crichton Trophy winner a couple of years ago, has really got Edmonton pointing in the right direction. The team is feeling good and believing now they've won their last two on home turf. And the last time they were here, remember, the Riders escaped with a 13-12 win on a rouge. Jake Dolagala, it's his team right now and could be his team till the end. He's got 885 yards passing, four touchdowns and one interception so far with the 2-1 record as a starter. He didn't look great in Winnipeg, but nobody did. Anyway, the Riders are listed as three-point favorites early on this week. Our broadcast goes Friday from Mosaic Stadium. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Line is Text lines brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. Michael Ball, Sean Kleisinger with you. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we appreciate it. Thanks for making us part of your day. Hey, it's Jonah Paris. Um, everybody needs to calm down wanting to fire coaches again. Riders will bounce back. Yeah, I saw some of that too. <laughs> I remember after the Montreal game, fire everybody 
Can't win with this team. We'll never win another game. Then we beat BC and Winnipeg. Now it's like, well, we've outcoached the two other great coaches in the West. Now, apparently, we're back back to sucking again. Um, and then people don't like, they, they want Coach to get mad and say some pretty controversial things to Luke after the game. But, like, Zinger, what, what's he going to say? Oh, That's man. not it. I would rather have... It's like a, a hamster wheel. I, I, I know. I'd rather have the guy be... I'd rather have the guy be genuine. If that's who he is, he's just a nice guy. That's who he is. That's, yeah. He's not going to... What, he's supposed to deviate off, off of who gonna, he is? It's not going to do anything when you put on an act, right? Come on. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to um, let's get to Jackson the, Ford the post game. Yeah, now there were a couple of bright spots. I thought Jackson Ford played a pretty good game, man. Uh, he made a couple of big tackles. How about the one on the goal line there, where they tried yeah. to run that slant early in the game, and uh, it was Amari Henderson who came up, and then he finished off the guy. He's he, not afraid to throw his no, body around. He's huh? bringing his body and he's throwing it in there, and I like that. He's uh, he's uh, now starting to step up as a second round pick out of the U of R. Here's what Jackson Ford had to say after the game. Yeah, we got Jackson Ford, um, former, obviously, uh, U of R Rams safety. Um, just talk about uh, your initial impressions of a game that got away from you really at the start. Yeah, you know, just felt like we couldn't really get our get under our feet there. Um, they came out strong, you know, scoring the first drive there, and uh, just kind of went downhill from there. You know, it's funny. I was talking to you before uh, we got online, and the first thing you talk to talk about is is a play that you that you wanted to make on the goal line, right? Um, obviously, that sets yourself up, you know, to play a long time in the pros when when you you know you're automatically thinking about ways to get better. Um, when you look on film here as a young guy, what are you going to be looking for uh, to move into the next week? Yeah, you know, like you said there. Like you make plays, but the ones that haunt you are the ones that you don't make, right? So I just got to learn from that and uh, do better. Um, obviously, the week of practice, um, you knew you were starting. Um, how did you approach the week? Do you, is there anything that you personally tweak now that you moved from your first starting practice into your into the next one? Yeah, you know, I mean, like us guys, like we all get together, watch film lots, and uh, yeah, just we we prepared well for it, but. Uh, yeah, just didn't get together there. I don't know. Well, you know what? I mean, that's the one of the best teams in the league in the last two or three years, right? It's, it's always about how you, how you move forward. Um, is this one of the deals where, you know, you just like to sort of forget this one and move right into Edmonton, or do, do you want to spend some time really diagnosing where it went wrong early? Yeah, you know, we're definitely going to spend some time on day one and figure out, or day zero, and figure out, you know, where it went wrong, what we could do better, and, uh, and yeah, definitely flush this one and uh, get ready for Edmonton. Right, man. So, obviously, your first uh, pro career, start um just sort of how how did you feel overall you know um coming into it now obviously it didn't work out the way but uh it's still an accomplishment man starting your first pro career, uh pro game yeah for sure uh, you know got some confidence last game coming in there playing a quarter and a half so uh i was coming in pretty confident to this one and uh yeah is you know a couple misplays there i gotta learn from it and get better well you win or learn man thanks a lot for joining us today all right that's Jackson Ford. Now, another guy we got to saw a little bit from, uh, and that's one of the silver linings. We got to see Thomas Bertrand Houdon carry the ball again and catch one out of the backfield. Uh, sometimes those ditch diggers, as I like to call them, it's nice that they get a chance to actually be on the road instead of the ditch. And let's hear from our offensive game star in that 51-6 loss in Winnipeg. Yeah, we got number 30 here, man. Hey, listen, uh, you know, obviously uh, you always got to take positives from, from any time you're on the field, man. And uh, I, I thought you ran tremendously hard today. How did you feel? I mean, it felt good, of course. Uh, I mean, like the first couple of real runs for my, for my career was fun. 
but it's just it's kind of like disappointing still with the result of the game. So I'm I'm happy about the runs, but just disappointed with the result. Right. Well, well, why don't you assess it for us? You know, offensively, where where, where do you guys need to build on for next week? I guess we just gotta come together today. We had some shots and just we messed up on some big plays, but we're gonna get those plays back, and we just gotta keep taking shots. And honestly, I think we got all the pieces and everything right to actually get more wins, and we just gotta get it together. That's all. You know, having an extended pro career, uh, one of the things that, that you need to be able to do is be ready when you're called on. And, you know, the roster's fluxed quite a bit here, but you've played really well. You've played well in specials as well. What's been the key for you um, to just make sure that, A, you know, you're on the roster, more importantly, B, when your name is called, you're ready? Uh, just go hard every, every day, every practice, every lift, every game. Just go as hard as possible. And just if you keep the intensity at 100% all the time, when you go in, you're going to keep the same intensity. So it's just keeping the same grind all the time, basically. It's quiet locker room now. Um, how would you like to look at this game? I asked Jackson Ford the same thing. You know, is it one where you want to spend a ton of time looking at the film where it went wrong early, or is it one where you just, you know, you know what, let's just move on to Edmonton? I mean, we can't just move on, but at the same time, we just got to look at what went bad and correct it, and after that, move on to Edmonton. Of course, we got, what, seven more games, I think? But yeah, exactly. We got, we got a lot more games to go through, and if we, we just got to get sure that we beat everyone so we can meet those guys back in the playoff, basically. Yeah, that's it, man. You got to be playing your highest level of football in the playoffs. Well, hey, you look good today. Thanks for joining us, man. All right, that's Thomas Bertrand Houdon, who was our offensive game star. I use that lightly. Thomas Bertrand Houdon. Houdon. Um, All right, so uh, time now for our power rankings. You can uh, weigh in with yours, what you think. And these aren't standings. No, it's not standings. People got to remember, they always get all flustered when they hear power rankings. I know, it's prisoner of the moment. So let's go uh, number nine, it's Ottawa. Man, have they hit the skids. Oh, that's too bad bad for them. I feel No, I do feel bad for Ottawa Red Black fans. No, I do too, I'm serious. They've been... (laughs) That's a bad bad stretch for them, real bad. Uh, At eight... I never thought I'd say this. I, I thought they'd have a down here, but not this down. The Calgary Stampeders, I put at eight. Yeah, I I agree with that one. They're they're not very good. I got the uh, I got the Edmonton Elks at seven, but it's a coin flip. I could have put them at six, but I got Hamilton at six. Edmonton's a good football team. Like they are a good foot. They aren't good record wise, but they're going to come in here and give the Riders everything they can handle, especially on defense. Like this will not be the Riders should win the game. They're favored by three, and I think they'll probably win somewhere between five and seven points if they do what they're supposed to do. But Zinger, you got to make tackles when they're there. You got to make the play. Either that was Jake, and I'm not in the film room, so I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'll give you a little hint. I'll give you a little example here, okay? Personally, I heard Wally Buono say this once. A left tackle didn't move for the BC Lions. And the Moj, uh, the voice of the BC Lions, Bob told me that he had mentioned to Wally uh, on a post-game interview that, hey, the left, what, you know, what happened with the play of the left tackle? He said, well, it wasn't the left tackle. The center didn't snap it on the right count. So the left tackle was out of sorts and he didn't move. Same thing happened to Ethan. Ethan got a penalty. My son, Ethan, sorry, got a penalty offside covering a punt. Well, as it turns out, the center didn't snap it on the right count. So Ethan left early, got flagged. So sometimes where I'm going with this is sometimes, unless you're sitting in the film room, for, for, for me, even though I'm closer to the team and I'm there at the game, or for you as a fan to call out guys, 
Sometimes it's not. It's way off base. So I don't know who is wrong. Was it Jake Dolagala or was it Kean Schaefer Baker on that first drive? Does Kean have to sit down when the ball's there in the end zone under the goalpost, or was it Jake Dolagala throwing it? You know, he threw it the wrong side or threw another. Uh, That's you a know, tough one. Hot shot. I don't know whose fault it was, but where I'm going with yeah. this singer. If the Riders score that touchdown, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's what 50, 51 to ten. But just even the momentum and oh, look you just at never it. know how you the just, lines connect. If something never know. if something different happens in a game, hundred percent right. So so that's what I mean. So when the opportunities, when the plays present itself for a team that let's be honest, the Rough Riders have some, they've got some great. Pl- when you're a professional football player at this level, there are no trash players. They're all good players, okay? Anybody that says that has never played a lick of competitive football, okay? And sorry if it sounds like I'm talking down to you, but I've heard other reporters on other broadcasts call players literally trash, okay? Mm-hmm. I've never done that, nor will I. But Every player is a great football player, but you got to make the plays when they're there. So the Rough Riders got to tackle. They got to they got to continue to block. You know, block that run game's been not very good this year, and that's what's hurting the Riders. Can you imagine if the Riders had a had a play action pass where Dolagala had a lot of time to like if he had Brady Oliveira and they were able to smash it like that? That's the difference right now. I don't know to blame it on the running back, and I don't know to blame it on the on the. Uh, on the line because I'm not there once again in the film room. But it, the, the 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 stats bear it out. They're not very good running the football. Well, I just that's one of the mysteries to me of the season is the Frankie Hicks and running back thing. Like last year, you know, he was a change of pace spark plug. This year, he's just not out there. I just don't understand that. Taking nothing away from Jamal Morrow, but I don't know that something needs to. Maybe we can ask Coach that at 5.07. Well, I think, yeah, we will. I think it's kind of a, well, I don't know. Like, it's a good point because, you know, I think maybe they've replaced, uh, they've got that extra American receiver, so maybe they got Jareth Stearns in there instead of Frankie Hickson. I don't know. Yeah. Frankie's been banged up too at times, but that's a very good question. Make sure, I'll let you ask that of the coach. Let's do that. Um, so let's get to our the rest of our power ranking. So let's go. I kind of got sidetracked here. Give me a second. So at nine, I've got the... Uh, the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks. At eight, I've got Calgary. At seven, I've got Edmonton. At six, I've got Hamilton. You got to give Hamilton credit. They're hanging around. I know they beat Ottawa, and they got they got outgained big time in that game. Ottawa just gave it away, but Hamilton is hanging around with an with a unknown at quarterback. Okay, mm-hmm. so I got to give Hamilton credit. They're still in the mix. Now, this was a coin flip for me. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, I put at five. I could easily put them at four, but I, while this is a prisoner of the moment thing, Zinger, we just got smoked, but we did get smoked by Montreal too. So that's why I dropped the Riders one behind the Owls. I don't know if you buy that or not. If Now, if you're asking me if it's one game to play, who's going to win Saskatchewan or Montreal on a neutral field, I'd pick the Riders. If they had the seven days rest, yeah, I, I might, I might just put the, I might just put the riders above the owls. Okay, and I, I wouldn't argue with that, but I got the riders I at see, five. I see your point of view. I though. got the riders five, owls four. But I will tell you this: he had decent stats, but Cody uh-huh. Fajardo can't get the ball in the end zone. And I'm sorry, it's not all his fault. I know that, but 
every time he throws it, does it not look painful? Like it looks like it's the worst throwing motion since I've seen Philip Rivers throw a ball. Except Philip Rivers could get the ball into tight windows and down the field. No, that's why I have the Riders ahead of the Owls because I just don't see the Montreal Alouettes doing much. Once the playoff, if the playoffs ended or started right now, they would uh, be hosting the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And Hamilton could easily win that game. Yeah. So I'm going to go with uh, BC at three. That's obvious. But then there's a big gap. Like B, uh, like Winnipeg has really come on now, like championship teams do. And so they're uh, at two, and then Toronto's one. And there's a bit of a gap there. Like I think Toronto's better than Winnipeg. If you were picking MOP uh, candidates right now, I would line it up. Check Zach Kalaros, three. Brady Oliveira, two, and number one, Chad Kelly. Yeah. That's who my MVP would be, MOP. Hey, if the playoffs started right now, there would be no crossover, which is kind of rare in a way. I'd, I'd have to go back and look at the, the statistics, but, you know, Winnipeg would have the first round buy in the West, Saskatchewan at BC, and then in the East, Toronto has the buy, and Hamilton at Montreal. Well, and that's the thing. Calgary, that's Edmonton, the, that's Ottawa. The, oh. That's the beauty of the CFL. So, can I just take a little time out here? Mm-hmm. The Rough Riders in 1989 were smoked on both sides of the football. They lost by 32 in Edmonton, okay? The last regular season game. They went to Calgary, got the Brian Brian Walling touchdown run, won the game. Everybody thought they'd get destroyed by Edmonton and beat them, okay? Beat the Edmonton football team uh, in the West Final. I like that one better than the Grey Cup, actually. Um also that year, the Riders beat Ottawa 58 to 22, but then lost at Ottawa 6 weeks later. So it's a week to week it is a it is a week to week league. So I wouldn't put whether you lost by 2 or 45, the only concern I have is this football team's losing big on the road the last 3 weeks. We'll take a break and be back with your phone calls and other things in a moment here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Speaking of the NFL, we're talking about this. The Miami Dolphins, man, they looked good yesterday against the Bolts, at least on offense. And we get the chance to see them live for a second straight year. This time it's in Miami against the Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football. We're going down to Miami from December 5th to the 12th. We get to watch two games of hockey, Florida and Dallas. We're going to have like a party right at the rink. It's going to be outstanding. And then we get to watch Crosby Malkin and Kyle Dubas's Pittsburgh Penguins against the Florida Panthers. Mm-hmm. And then we get the Monday Night game. Uh, it's $2,700. That includes your airfare. That includes your hotel, that includes your trip to and from the rink and the stadium, and from the airport to the hotel. Plus, you get a breakfast every morning, and there are only 10 seats left from Saskatoon. So get uh, call any CAA travel office in the province and get in on it. Only 10 trips, 10 seats, and then, man, I got something else cooking here that has never been done before. I can tell you right now, this has never been done before. Um, yeah, CFL related. It's football related. That's all I'll tell you. And uh, you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be... Uh, when will we have... Uh, I don't know. I'm currently working on that. Uh, it's all I can tell you right now because I don't want anybody else trying to... Mm-hmm. It's never been done before. 
Well, you know what it's about. Isn't I it good? know. I'm not isn't saying it Isn't it good or what? Oh, it's juicy. Let's go to the phones and say hi to John, the Habs fan. John, how are you? Hey, Ballsy. How you doing? Good, bro. What's up? Hey, you know, just listening to you talk about that 1989 team, also remember that Edmonton team was 16-2. and two. Yep, they were. That was the best. That was the best and, team in CFL history, regular season wise. Yep, and uh, yeah, and we walked in and shocked the world and, and beat them. And uh, Joe Faragelli didn't coach after that, I don't think, with the Eskimos because he was their coach. Yeah, I think that you're. I think you might be right about that for sure. Yeah, and this game, you know, uh, we can forget about it. Yeah, I mean, it was bad all around. It was horrible and embarrassing. But uh, let's uh, go out and uh, beat Edmonton. I love I love and, it, John. Uh, I love the fact you're po- I love the fact you're positive today, John. Yeah, well, like I said, uh, it was a bad game, and uh, we got our butts kicked, and we usually do anyway in, in the rematch in Winnipeg, you know. So yeah, but not that bad. But we usually get our butts kicked anyway. That's right, and and usually we kick their butts here. That's been the case all along. We didn't kick it last time, uh, last uh, Labor Day Classic, although we let them get back into the game. Even Patrick Waugh got eleven goals scored on him that one time. Right, the greatest Habs goalie maybe of them all. He is the greatest of them all, and uh, he's. The, Probably the greatest goalie in NHL history, by the way. Ooh, I'd be close. I, I, if I had to pick a goalie, I'd take Martin Brodeur. I'd take him because when the when the game was on the line, hmm. uh, there was nobody better. That's why he won three con smites, and nobody else has ever done that. Hmm. I can't argue with Habs hockey with John the Habs fan. Take <laughs> take care, bro. Thanks. Hey, Bolsey, I got a question for you and Zinger. Oh yeah. Are, are the Rams really that bad or are the Huskies that good? You know what? You stay tuned. We're going to talk about that a little later in the 5 o'clock hour, okay? Hey, Zinger, you do a great job on those. I listen to you on both games. Hey, thanks, John. Appreciate you, man. You're welcome, buddy. Yeah, John yeah. does a great job. Or, uh, you do a great job, too, John, but Sean does a great job. Let's go to the phones here. we got somebody else. Hi, who's this? Hello? Hey, uh, Jack here, Fort Capel. Hey, Jack. How's it going, man? All right, hey. Look, um, I don't want to be uh, the, the guy or the person that uh, is uh, the negative Nelly here, but yep. you know, the, the game in Winnipeg is just—it's just way too many of these are happening. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm asking this question to yep. the uh, the fan base: the culture of the team, in my view, is not the way it was in that ten-year window that Hobson was there as the president and CEO. And, I mean, we went to the Grey Cup four times in his tenure and won twice. Could have won three. But just the culture of the team just doesn't seem to be there, game in and game out. So my question is, is that I I really think that we should be giving Dickinson and O'Day uh, the chance to be evaluated by I think somebody else in that president CEO position. Mm. That's so. So, so, so you want to change at the top is what you're saying. Well, yeah, because I mean, what happened in '15 after? I mean, the the '15 season was something else in itself. But I mean, we we go out and we we, we give the franchise to Chris Jones. He bails on that extension. And it puts everybody in a in a tough situation. But my point is, is that I think we're going to. I mean, if if Dickinson and O'Day, I don't see how the present 
CEO is going to be able to justify removing them without really evaluating what's happened with the culture of the team. Jack, I got about 30 seconds, okay? I'm going to ask you a straight up question because you're a paying customer. I'm not. I work, okay? I call the games, okay? I don't work for the team. I broadcast the games. What would it take for you to want to have this whole thing back? What's it going to take? Is it Grey Cup or bust? Do they got to get to a West final and and show well there? Like, what does... Keeping in mind everything that's gone on, they're on their third quarterback, blah, blah, blah. What's it going to take? Uh, The BC game, the Winnipeg game, the the, the Labor Day Classic for the rest of the season. That's what it's going to take to keep me on board without wanting the top out. I can't uh, disagree with uh, that in terms of effort, man, and level of play. They've set a new standard here in terms of what we expect, and uh, that was not it. So it's a very, uh, very good call, a very good and measured call. Thanks for your time, Jack. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, we're going to take a break, be back with more. And in fact, on the other side, after 5 o'clock, the head coach of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, exclusively right here on your voice of Rough Riders football and your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the writer's bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. And we appreciate that. You can text us your questions, 936-6262, and I'll pass them along following that uh, very tough loss in Winnipeg. And uh, we want to tell you that this portion of the show is proudly sponsored by our friends at uh, McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience, McDougalAuction.com. Coach, how long does it take you to get over something like that? Well, we try to get over it, Michael, in 24 hours. And I think it was about 24 hours for me. Today's been a good day. We had uh, players came in and watched some film on their own and worked out on their own and We've been looking at all all Edmonton today, so it took me about twenty four hours, maybe a, a touch longer, but not much more than that. Do you go Do you go back and watch something like that, or do you just let it go? Oh yeah, no, we watch it. Yeah, we watch it from start to finish, and we take notes and we make you know make uh, uh, corrections where we need to, and we go over it with the players. So that's one of those things we're not gonna we're not gonna sweep it under the under the rug. We're gonna watch it and, and dissect it with a fine tooth comb and figure out what went wrong and how we can make improvements so it doesn't happen again. It was a bad beating. What did you see there, Coach? Well, it was a bad beating, and we just couldn't stop them. That's what I saw. You know, our defense struggled to stop them. Uh, and then I think we lost a little confidence. But I, I was happy with how they came out in the second half. They, we held them to three field goals. We need we need to do more on offense as well. But it's just one of those days. and. Um, We'll try to learn from it and we'll try to make improvements. Coach, I'm not suggesting this would have turned the game around, but I did mention it at the time, and I mentioned it today before I had you on. Uh, you got Dolagala throwing to the end zone. He's got Key and Schaefer Baker op- open under the goalpost. If he makes that catch, if that pass is complete, maybe it's a different type of thing. I know it's it's still a long game after that, but all of a sudden maybe you got the Bombers thinking you've quieted the crowd a little bit there. Yeah, I agree. That was a big. That was a big drive. That first drive, and it started off pretty well. We got the ball at midfield on the short kick, and and moved down the field pretty well. And you're right. If we can put seven on the board right away, 
who knows? Could be a different game, but it didn't happen, and it is what it is. Coach, in looking at the film, I do want to ask this because uh, Zinger and I were kind of talking about this here. Who I had thought in the game, I said, "Hey, uh, Jake's got to make a better throw." And Luke said, "Whoa, whoa, wait a minute! I think maybe Key and Schaefer Baker should have sat down there instead of still shuffling to his right." What can you tell me? What indeed was the right play there? Yeah, I don't. I I think it was kind of a miscommunication on both ends. I think. I think. Uh, Kean could have could have throttled it down a little bit in that window. I think he's got the ability to throttle if there's a window, or keep going if there's not. And so I think there's a little bit of a miscommunication on that, and, and guys not seeing the same thing. So mm-hmm. we'll watch the film, and, and uh, you know that comes with experience. That's his only Kean's second game back, and you know this is Jake's third game. So they'll 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 get it figured out. Yeah, no, for sure, man. Um, when you're on the sidelines as the guy steering the ship. What's running? What is literally running through your head when it's getting away like that? Well, it's not much, believe it or not. You're, you're focused on the play at hand, so you're trying to figure out what's the best play to, to call, what's the the best uh, coaching you can do in that situation. You don't really get hung up on the score. You don't have time to. You know, you're you're in, in, engulfed in the moment, and you're trying to make sure that you're making the right call for that that series of plays. So, you know. At halftime, I'm certainly thinking about what I could say to to try to get them going again, or at least bring them together. But for the most part, during the game, you're just you're just working off of drive to drive and trying to do the best you can for the the group that's in the game at that moment. Luke asked you this question after the game, and we have a different audience uh, now, so I or some different audience right now. So I'd like to ask you the same type of question: uh, Is there any concern from your end, or have you identified? You know the last three road games. Now I think the, I think the Toronto game in Halifax. It was a lot closer than the thirty-one thirteen score. The Montreal one. I regardless if people want to in pro football, we don't use excuses, but it's definitely uh, a factor. Uh, you guys had one practice and not a lot of prep time for that game. This game there. There was no excuse. You just got your lunch handed to you. But in in all three, you got beat pretty badly on the road. Is there any concern? Have you identified why that's happening? No, there's no concern. I I just think that uh, it just happened to be we got beat while we were on the road. That, I think the noise does help us at home, mm-hmm. um, and I don't I don't think it 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 hurt us as much as as maybe people thought in Winnipeg, but it did affect us a little bit. So I do think that the home crowd helps us in a lot of ways, especially on defense because it forces the offense to go silent count. So maybe that plays into it, but. Our preparation's the same, Michael, and, and for the the folks listening, our preparation's the same whether we're playing here or we're playing in Halifax. We find a way to make sure we get all of our work in, and and I'm not concerned. Sometimes I actually think we're more prepared when we're on the road because we actually meet with them the day of the game, and we don't do that at home. So this thing it happens to be the the way the way it shook out. Coach, uh, this is uh, the the beauty of football is it is a week to week league. When you saw it. Uh, you know, after that Montreal game, I had my phone blowing up. We're, we got a clean house, and we'll never win another game. And then we come out and have two signature wins. What is there anything you you did from a from a coaching standpoint to get these guys ready, or was it just a prideful thing on their behalf? As we uh, have another similar scenario right here. Yeah, I think it's a, a prideful thing on the players' behalf. You know, and the, and the other thing is you've got to get healthy at the right time. And I think we were starting to get healthy and. Hopefully we can put the same group on the field for this game as well. But I think it's it's mainly it's matchups, and uh, and it's a lot of times it's just a pride thing. And, and sometimes guys come out and play a little better one week than they do the next. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do, like I said, with 
with the specific matchups you have for that game. Now, the Winnipeg, it's the same team, uh, so the matchup should have been the same. We just didn't respond very well. And hopefully our guys you know, know, know what uh, they're capable of and uh, know what happens too if we don't play well. You know, if we don't play well, that's a good team across the field from us, and they're gonna they're gonna beat us. So you watched Edmonton. Their their record indicates they're not a very good team. But when you're playing, there's no, there are no crappy players in professional football. They're all here for a reason, getting paid for a reason. So I I, I respect uh, what they all do. Okay. Uh, Edmonton's record doesn't reflect it, but they've dropped a few games. Uh, you guys got away with one here. You earned the win, but it was a tight win here. And we remember what happened last year. It's kind of like this. You guys are fighting for the playoffs. Edmonton looked like they were out, and they came in and uh, and and beat you guys. So, uh, you know, what are you seeing from Edmonton here? Yeah, Edmonton's playing good right now. I think they've won three of their last four. So, uh, you know, you got to take them for real. I, I said this two months ago, and, and everybody probably remembers it. Edmonton is going to win some games. You can tell just by watching the film, they have some good football players. They were playing hard. It just was one of those things where they weren't getting the bounces. And, and really, they were a little bit snake bit a little bit. But I think they're playing well now. It's going to be a challenge for our team. Uh, we know their personnel fairly well. It's stayed relatively consistent since the last time we played them. And, and uh, we're going to have to have a good week of prep and a good game to beat them because they're certainly – certainly a capable opponent right now yeah absolutely but you guys can take it like as bad as as bad as uh the game was on saturday in winnipeg uh winnipeg doesn't get any more points in their favor uh, in the standings and you don't get any deducted off of you for losing by 45 so so in that sense you go into this one this is a huge opportunity to take a big step forward towards the playoffs like almost on the verge of uh of making sure you got a playoff spot here yeah this is a big one for us so i'm gonna i'm gonna emphasize that big time with the guys you know we got a chance to essentially eliminate Edmonton from the playoff at least from we'll be ahead of them they can't catch us if we beat them so I'm I'm gonna um, you know emphasize that with our guys and make sure they understand the importance of this game and we got a chance now to really not necessarily cement our spot in the playoffs but make sure that we're ahead of Edmonton at the end of the year and we can do that by beating them here this week. You don't want to look too far ahead. That You're not on the business side of football but a home playoff game is big for this team too as you know and uh, you know you got a puncher's chance to still do that. Like all, all is not lost. I took it back to and you've been around longer than me in terms of being in battle but you go back to 1989 Riders got you know what pumped by Edmonton and went in to beat the 16-2 and Edmonton then Eskimos in one of the greatest upsets of all time uh, we see it so many times where uh, we're team. It's a week to week league, right? Yeah, and momentum is so powerful. I mean, it really is. I mean, when you have it, it seems like you can do no wrong, and when you don't have it, you know, it seems like you can do no right, and you're fighting like hell to get it. So, we're going to come out. We're going to play hard this week. We're going to have a good week of preparation, and and I think you're going to see a good a good performance from our team on uh, on Saturday or Friday, whatever day we play. Got a couple of uh, texts uh, that I want to address when we come back. This is the uh, Coach Craig Dickinson Show for McDougal Auctioneers on this Monday on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. The Raiders are first in the AFC West. The Broncos, Chiefs, and Chargers all lost. Chiefs have signed their big stud defensive tackle, Chris Jones, to a one-year deal. It's only a one-year deal, so there you go. And Austin Eckler wanted all that cash, right? And he had a great game, ran for over 100 yards, hurt his ankle, he's out. 
don't know how long he's out for. So a little from column A, a little from column B. The Raiders in first place. Yeah. Coach uh, Craig Dickinson joining us. Coach the Raiders back in the day. Hey, before we get to any more text, uh, I said this on the broadcast, Coach. Uh, not make an excuse for a loss like that, but it's a football game. There was a Moroccan earthquake and over 2,000 people died. And today we're um, honoring or remembering the 22nd anniversary of that terrible uh, situation in your home country, the United States, 9-11. Where were you that day? I was in San Diego that day, Michael. I was working for the San Diego Chargers. And I remember that day very well. I was actually eating breakfast uh, in my apartment, and it was probably 6.15 West Coast time because it happened around 9, I think, East Coast time or maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was around 6 in the morning. That's usually I was, I was up eating breakfast, ready to go into work. And uh, I remember watching the news. And uh, they thought at first it was a private airplane that must have flown into the first building because nobody had any footage of it. I remember literally watching as the first building burned and then all of a sudden uh, out of the blue, the second plane came rolling in and I saw it hit the, hit the other tower live and I remember thinking that's not, that's not, that's not a good thing. There's something really wrong going on here and I, I'll never forget that day. Yeah, and what was that like being in the NFL at that time? Did you guys were you on the road the first game back after that? Uh, I, I don't remember exactly where we were, but I know we canceled uh, football for that day. We were supposed to have a practice that day, and I know we canceled it. We met with the guys and we sent them home, um, just because a lot of them, you know, a lot of them had, had people that they knew that were affected by that mm. and were involved in that. So um, I know we canceled. We might even have canceled uh, the second practice, but I know we ended up playing, and I just couldn't tell you where we were. But uh, it was a somber mood, that's for sure, and it was really. One of those things where nobody knew quite what to do, and it was uh, it was new new territory for everybody. Yeah, uh, it was quite a it was quite a celebration, uh, it, not a celebration, but quite a commemoration that that first Sunday back. Singer, do you have the yeah, Charger? Co- yeah, Coach, I got the the San Diego Charger schedule. So September 9th, uh, you guys beat the Washington Redskins, and then uh, September twenty third was your next game at the Dallas Cowboys. So they must have they must have canceled games. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they did postpone yeah. Okay. games. Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, Sean, you're here on the mic. You got a text from a listener there. Yeah, Jason is on the text line wondering, uh, Coach Craig Dickinson. Uh, Jason says he's a big Frankie Hickson fan, and he is wondering why he hasn't been very active with the offense this year. Well, it's been tough. Frankie's been caught up in the numbers game a little bit, and uh, and Frankie got sick last week, so that was part of the reason he didn't dress. So we're hoping he's healthy this week uh, and uh, you know if the the numbers allow us to dress them we will but that's been a situation where we have designated Americans and we've just had enough injuries on defense that we haven't been able to dress two American tailbacks and unfortunately Frankie's fallen into that category mm. hey Brent wants to know coach what's up with uh, Philip Blake will we see him this week possibly he's practicing with us this week and we'll see how he does yeah, yeah, that's the, and and will we have Pistol Pete Robertson back in the lineup? Uh, Bob wants to know that. Pistol Pete will practice with us day one tomorrow. He should be good to go. Yeah, um, it's, that's always tough when you're playing a bomber team like that and you don't have one of your uh, your key defensive ends. Looks like uh, Anthony Lanier the second. I know he took a couple penalties in the last game. You never like to see, but he is becoming a real. There was some talk, and and we even talked about it here. Hey, maybe they maybe they air. They should have him playing inside. But it turns out professional coaches know what they're doing. He looks like he's looks like he's finding his groove on the outside there. Yeah, he's a good player. He's one of our 
he's one of our pillars. You know, we try to build the defense around him, and you know, he's he's a, he's a very disruptive. Um, plays with tremendous effort. Just a very good football player, and I think wherever you put him, he'd be good. So the argument of putting him inside, legitimate argument, and the argument of keeping him outside, legitimate as well. I think wherever he plays. He makes a difference. When you're playing defense, especially in today's football, you need to know what you're doing so you can play like your hair's on fire. You can't, you can't think. It look even though you're, it's a thinking man's game. Uh, Jackson Ford uh, looks like that to me. It looks like he is. He's not scared to throw his body in there. It looks like he's starting to pick it up. Am I right in that assessment? Yeah, yeah, you're correct. He's a smart, smart player. I mean, that was something we knew about him coming out. Everybody that said something, usually said something along the line of real student of the game, smart player and tough. And I think we saw both of that in that game against Winnipeg. So uh, it was a good start for Jackson. I was proud of him. thought he played a nice game for his first start. And can you talk to me about A.J. Allen? Because uh, here's an evolution of a, of a guy that's cut his teeth at the, uh, at the special team spot and still doing that, leading your team in special teams tackles, but also getting some key snaps on defense too. Yeah, every time he lines up, he gets a little bit better. And, you know, we're going to continue to work him in at Will Will Linebacker with Micah Tights. We feel like that's a, a strength of our team, that position. And um, Yeah, AJ, AJ, good football player, has, has grown every every week he's been out out there, and, and um, I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. And, and a couple of late additions. We've talked about TJ Brunson, and we kind of touched on this a few weeks ago. Uh the guy who's a weapon and can flip the field for you is is Adam Korzak. You have to be pleased with what you see from your punter. Oh yeah, he's a good one. You know, he just and nothing phases, and that's what you really like about him. He's cool as a cucumber. And, you know, you ask him to do something, he can do it. Um, and and he's also an outstanding holder. So love having him on our team. Good guy to be around in the locker room as well. It's been a real nice addition. Hey, uh, I know you're you're a players uh, coach, so you love to you, you love your guys up, and you want you want player safety. But man, I'm bored watching the. I get bored watching a third of the NFL. It is boring. Fair catches, balls rolling into the end zone, guys calling fair catch on kickoffs out to the twenty five. I I love our league for the fact you got to do something with the ball every time. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um... And, uh, but you're right, it is a player safety issue, and they're, they're trying to take uh, the kickoffs out of the game, in my opinion, and they're going to get them out pretty soon. You wait and see. It'll get to where a team will just, they'll just put the ball in the 25 and uh, and go from there, which is too bad because a lot of guys make their living covering kicks and re- you know blocking for kick return. And you know when they take that part out of the game, I think you take away some of the uh, ability of those backups, those special teamers, those guys that – are on the fringes of being started to take away their ability to make the team and, and make a living. So I hope it doesn't happen in our league. I like what you said. I like I like the way our league's set up. Do you Has that ever been brought up where you guys, because uh, I know the NFL, they take rules from our league, like moving the PAT back, one of the best moves ever in football in the last 20 years, taking a nothing play into something meaningful, making something meaningful. Do we talk about, like, do we, are we looking at that? Has that ever been brought up about changing the rules with regards to kickoffs and everything like that? He, you know, it's been brought up occasionally, but I just don't see it going anywhere just because of the rugby roots of our game, you know, and the fact that the goalposts are at the front of the end zone. Uh, I think as soon as you move them back, it might take away some of those kicking situations. I think as long as we stay true to our rugby roots, you're going to see a lot of kicking game and 
and a lot of exciting plays because of it. Coach, uh, we'll see you on the practice field this week. Uh, good luck getting them ready for Edmonton. Yeah, good, my man. Take care of yourselves. Yeah, take care. Chat. Yeah, thanks, man. That's Coach Craig Dickinson joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll come back and talk some more football, some college ball. I'll get Zinger's breakdown of the Regina Rams, whatever the hell that was last Friday in Saskatoon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports ticker 533, a big series underway at Rogers Center between the Blue Jays and Texas Rangers. It's game one. The Blue Jays, they have a half a game lead on the Texas Rangers, but they are behind in this game, one to nothing, bottom of the second. And later on tonight, it's Monday Night Football between the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets, and the weather is looking pretty scary right now on the East Coast, so uh, might have a bit of a delay for Monday Night Football. The original kickoff time was slated for 6.15 p.m., but uh, keep it tuned in because that might be bumped a few minutes. We're on a rampage. From sideline to sideline, the sports cage has you of Rams football covered. All right, so um, interesting weekend for Regina-based football teams. On Saturday night, the Regina Thunder lost for the first time in regular season action since October 19th, October 20th, 2019, against the Edmonton Huskies. They haven't lost in over two regular seasons. They came in 3-0, and hosting the 3-0 and Saskatoon Hilltops. The Hilltops rolled them 36-6. to Earlier in the day, our Rough Riders, it's been well documented. They um, they got beat. And they got beat good. 51-6 by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And then the weekend started with the Regina Rams and Sean Kleisinger's first ever roadie with the Rams. Maybe it was his fault. <laughs> they roll into Saskatoon for the homecoming game. Over 10,000 fans took it in. Here's how it sounded. Pelche is in the shotgun. Three receivers near side right. Stusick motions in. Pelche gets the snap. He's looking right. Finds his man complete to Sokol right at the first down marker near side of the field. Chest high snap. Amandaru back to pass. He's looking. Has time. Standing. He's going to lob it near side of the field to the left. Wide open and it's complete to Daniel Perry as Delania Robinson fell down. As Amandaru extends his arms. Awaits the snap. He gets it. Has time. He's looking. Over the middle. Has his man in the end zone. Caught. Touchdown Huskies. Husky. Shotgun snap to Amandrude. Throws Rainbows. Corner of the end zone. Complete touchdown Huskies. Yeah, just a corner rope by Red Vavra. As Pelche, the shotgun snap. He's going to go near side of the field looking for his man. Nice catch by Emmett Stedman right at the first down marker. The Sokol now comes across the formation. Pelche rolls right. Now he's going to throw back to the left. Complete the Savard. He has a first down inside the five-yard line. Shotgun snap to Pelche. Play action. He's rolling left. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, Regina. Both these teams' helmets looking really shiny under the lights tonight. Amandrude in the Shotgun on first and ten. Head high snap. Hand off to Kabongo up the middle. And he's met in the backfield by Anthony Montez. Leapert for a loss on the play. First and goal, Huskies. The ball spotted right in the middle of the hash marks. Right at the five-yard line. As Amandrude's in the shotgun. Frank to his right. Kabongo to his left. He's going to play action to Frank. Then flip it out the right to Kabongo. He's around near the right end. Into the end zone. Touchdown, Huskies. Pelche first and ten from the 37 of the Rams. Snap. 
snap. Pelshi. Play action. Quick over the middle. It's caught. Breaks one tackle, and then he's chopped down from behind. That's Deshaun Mims with a nice elusive play with Seth Hundaby, number four, bringing him down from behind. First down, Rams. Snapped Hammondrew. Back to pass. He's pressured. Boom. He's hit. And the ball is picked off over the middle. Number 24, Jackson Sombach, taking it the other way. Far side of the field, and he's ragdolled to the turf across midfield. Give that one to Braden Wag, Man, he blitzed from his dime linebacker spot. Stuck his shoulder pad right in Amron Root's chest. Just a great, solid physical tackle. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Sean Kleisinger, Ryan Hall on the call, 40-6. to six. So, we had a caller ask earlier, John, are the Rams that bad, are the Huskies that good? A little from column A, a little from column B. You going to answer it? Oh, that's the question for me right now. Yeah. <laughs> you can answer it. Well, you were there. No, I haven't even seen the Rams yet. No, no. I think uh, I think what it comes down to is the Rams play have played the top two teams in Canada West and probably two of the top two teams in the country when you look at it to start off the season. So I think a large majority of it has to do with just the competition they're going up against. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that there hasn't been some self inflicted wounds on Where's the Rams the problem? Part. Where's the problem? I just feel like the offense is a bit out of sync right now. Which is crazy, because I thought they'd carry the water early yeah. on here. The, you know, uh, but uh, that's something that I think it can all take care of itself, because they're taking on a Calgary team this week that I think the Rams should be able to beat on home turf, and maybe all it will take is, you know, a couple sustained offensive series into the end zone, and then maybe from there, that's all they'll need to get back onto the right track because I don't think they're too far off, really. When you look at it on offense, it's just like a, a tad bit out of sync. How's the O-line looking? O-line, up? I think the O-line has been ha, has been playing pretty good. So then it's, uh, is it a quarterback issue? I'm not jumping on any kids or kids. Is Has Noah been struggling, Noah Palche? I think there's a... Uh, a bit of struggles at the quarterback position, but also at uh, maybe the receiver position as well. Maybe, you know, it's a intertwined that way. Mm. It was a horrible injury that happened on, on Friday night. Christian Katende got hurt for the Regina Rams what running happened? back. It looks like I heard it's his Achilles. Oh. And uh, I, know on the, I know on the bus ride home, he was, uh, you know, he had his uh, ankle all wrapped up and stuff. And that and, sucks to take a bus home when that happens yeah. to you. And he, he so, was running hard, too, that kid. And he's a good kid, too. He is a really good it's, kid. It's an unforgiving uh, sport. J.K. Dobbins suffered the same. He got hurt again for the Ravens. He wrecked his Achilles. I yeah. feel bad for kids like that. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I think I think four and four still realistic. They got the Huskies one more time. I don't know if four and four is, but I think playoffs is still realistic because if you look at the Canada of the West right now, three teams are one and zero, oh and three teams are zero oh and one. We all know that four out of six teams make the playoffs, so I think the Rams, you know, as far as you mean zero oh and two or zero oh and one, because the Rams. Oh, are sorry, two. sorry, sorry. Uh, three teams are two and zero, oh and yeah. three teams are zero oh and two. Okay. So we all know that you know four out of the six teams make the playoffs, and. Right now, the Rams are just in a bundle right now for that last playoff spot. So 
a win against Calgary will go a long way if they can get it done. I think, I don't want to say must win, but it's it's a really yeah, big game on Saturday. you got to win that game. And the Thunder, I mean, they were bound to lose, and the Hilltops are a great program. But I guess everything was just went, went wrong, except for yeah. the crowd, which is over 2,200. Yeah, Huskies are really good, though. Saskatchewan Huskies, like, oh yeah, they're they're stacked. And that kid looks like he can throw the ball. Amaru, yeah, Amaru, he's Amaru. throwing the ball. He, they got great running backs, great receivers all over the place. Stud line. Too. They returned ten guys on defense. Like they are stacked. Yeah. They'll be. They could very easily be back in the Vanier yeah, Cup. I think you know. I think they might be, to be honest. So UBC's a, a tough game. It was a U- nice crowd, though. Like you said, over yeah. ten thousand people. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice to get uh, a nice crowd here for the Rams against the uh, the Calgary Dinos. Man, the Dinos have gone down off know, big huh? time, yeah. big time. Okay, it's about time they were on top for like oh. a, over a decade. So. And I feel like that's dare I say it, where the Huskies are headed. Hmm. Like they seem like they're, you know what I mean? Yeah. And here in Regina, you got to keep those Regina kids. If you let a couple go to Saskatoon. Then yeah, Reese McCormick was playing yeah, pretty good football. Yeah, on Friday night. Uh, you got uh, who's the kid? Uh, Riker Frank. Riker Frank from Laboldis. Then Lane Novak, a former, he's a Regina area Linebacker. kid, like he's out in the White City area. Yeah, so there's you got to be able to keep those kids in Regina. Um, that was always the thing about Brian Towers. Like Brian Towers had a great team when he was there, but Frank McChrystal brought the Rams. And they don't want to admit it, but Frank McChrystal brought the Rams to U Sports, and then Brian Towers was just a shadow of himself. He couldn't win crap after the Regina kids weren't going up there. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, kudos to Scott uh, Flory. He's done a great job. Yeah, it's a good good program. And you great know, game Scott, day atmosphere. Yeah. Just great all together. Yeah. They got it going on up and there. And you know Scott um, McCauley's going to have his boys back. Oh, after yeah. that, I'm not worried after about that debacle. Um, okay, speaking of football, how about... Damn Cowboys. No, but it's Texas. <laughs> How about the Texas Longhorns beating Alabama 34-24? Steve Sarkeesian, the former Ryder quarterback who really doesn't like Saskatchewan. but I Saskatchewan bring it, doesn't like him. Yeah, I bring it up to just kind of... He, he went through some personal problems um, when he was at USC, but... And then he went and and worked with Nick Saban. It was nice to beat Nick Saban, I bet. And they 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 thumped them pretty good yeah. right in uh, right in Alabama. I watched some of that game. Yep. And uh, the other game I watched was uh, the California Golden Bears versus Auburn Tigers. I love those late time games on Saturday. I watched uh, North Dakota during the Ryder game. I had it on one of yeah. my monitors here. North yeah. Dakota with a nice win over yeah. Northern Arizona. Thirty seven twenty. My, Nord- kid, my Nord- kid gets to play. My kid gets to play on the blue turf this week. The Smurf the, turf. It's they a, call it. It's a ten o'clock kickoff, and it's on Fox. You can watch the game on Fox if you got the Fox Channel. Uh, they're playing Boise State, so yeah. and that that quarterback apparently six five. He could throw it all over the field, and they're zero and two. They lost to UCF and they lost to Washington, one of the better teams. Um, I think David Benefield's kid plays yeah, for. He's a safety. He's a safety. State. He's a safety yeah. too at Boise State. Uh, so that's so going to be interesting. That'll be interesting. Thirty five thousand people in that stadium in Boise, Idaho. Not quite as much as Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, where Ethan played last year. But, but bigger it's, than it's going to be bigger than uh, b- than both the Winnipeg and Saskatchewan yeah. stadiums. I want to bring this up here too. A couple of it, a couple of other interesting things before we get to John Ryan to wrap the show up. Uh, Michigan State football coach Mel Tucker has been suspended without pay while the university completes an investigation into claims that he sexually harassed a prominent 
sex assault awareness speaker after she was hired to address the Spartan team. So she's a sexual, I'm not laughing at it, it's it's unbelievable. She's a sexual assault awareness speaker coming to speak to his Spartan football team and he is being investigated for sexually harassing her. What? You gotta be pretty. That is oh. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, now this is funny. This is this is hilarious. So our clutch performer was Novak Djokovic. He won his 24th Grand Slam title at the age of 36 and his fourth U.S. Open. Well, if you remember, Djokovic got kicked out of the U.S. Open last year for not being vaccinated. So he won the U.S. title yesterday. And as the the shot of the day on the broadcast was sponsored by Moderna and they had to show Djokovic with the shot of the day is that not is that not the oh that must be funniest a, form of irony he must feel good huh and then how about this we were at this stadium so it kind of hits home we were there with our last sports cage trip the ultimate sports trip with um CAA travel and Terry AI robot fans were used at SoFi Stadium. So these are AIs with with headphones on their heads. Imagine you show up to the seats and sitting next to you is an AI robot. That's what was there. That's a true story. Now, thankfully, they dressed him up in Charger Blue, which that helped creeps out. Me out. I don't isn't, that that. Cr- isn't that crazy? That's creepy. So what would you do, Zinger, in the Bleeders when we were there last year? I would go. I wouldn't stay there and sit beside a robot. You know, kid. we're gonna we're gonna ask John Ryan. He's in L.A. I yeah. wonder what he has to say. He's coming up next to wrap up the show here on six twenty CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio six twenty CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. We're wrapping it up with our friend of the show, Regina Football Royalty. It's John Ryan. Hi, John. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Oh man, I'm. I. I. It's like taking your head and running it into a wall every NFL season. I. I waste three hours of my time. Every Sunday on the Chargers. Like, what is Brett? How can you have that much talent? How can you be this defensive guru and give up not 100, not 200, not 300, not 400, 536 yards to the Dolphins? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's early, so everyone's overreacting as you are right now. But, uh, you know, I don't know if, uh, if uh, Tyreek Hill and Tua are the, the best uh, combination since Rice and Montana or uh, the Chargers' defense was just terrible or uh, what, what happened. But uh, they made them look uh, pretty pedestrian yesterday. And, uh, they looked like uh, pro bowlers. So, I, I hate to say uh, how it. The, uh, how they bounced back. I hate to say it, but I could get a better pass rush than Joey Bosa right now. <laughs> wow. Well, that's... Uh, I mean, come with me. That's 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 rude, man. But, dude, uh, dude. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the defense the, the defense did not look good yesterday for the uh, the San Diego Chargers of Los Angeles. Yeah, I love how you say that. I like, dude. Listen, they're all professional athletes. I get it, okay. But I was as close to Tua from my couch in White City as Joey Bosa was on the turf at SoFi Stadium. You know, this, I, I think I saw a lot of bad football yesterday, especially in the first half. And yeah. I kind of attribute that to the, the change in the preseason. You know, I don't, I don't know how many snaps Joey Bosa took in the preseason, but I know eight starting quarterbacks did not play one snap in the preseason. And going from four games to three and now getting kind of an extra bye week before the season starts, yeah. I probably saw some really bad football, and that, that could have been part of it there. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely, John. And if it was the CFL, people would be carving and calling it a Bush League, wouldn't they? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Anything, anytime there's any kind of bad football in the, in the CFL, I would say that's crap and you guys don't know what they're doing, but it just, you know, it just happens sometimes. Yeah. So uh, that's, that leads me to my next one overreaction. Should we overreact with Joe Burrow? He doesn't look right with that calf. He only had 82 yards passing. Is that just one of those things where some teams just aren't a good matchup for another team? Yeah. I mean, that was one of the games that kind of had circled. Uh, you know, a big rivalry game, you know, for the state of Ohio. And uh, mm-hmm. Cincinnati just looked bad. Like, they, looked, they looked bad. To go, to go into Cleveland and score three points with Jim Burrow as your quarterback, I mean, it, there's just no way he's right. You know, I know it was raining. It was a crappy. It's, you know, it's always crappy in Cleveland. But it just <laughs> didn't look right. And uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's week one, so we still have a, a lot of football left. But uh, hopefully they get the stuff together pretty quick. Is that the worst city you go into is Cleveland? You know what? I can't talk that much crap about them now because I do own a baseball team that's based 20 miles outside of downtown Cleveland, and uh, it's actually a better city than people people act. But it's um it's a very gray city. It's often often rainy and gray, mm-hmm. uh, cold. Uh, you know, there's there, there's some bad cities in the NFL, and I think that some people might consider that one of the one of the worst ones. Okay, oh, that's that's diplomatically put. Okay, I get that. Uh, <laughs> you know what's funny? Uh, Aaron Rodgers leaves, and the Bears think that they're going to own the Packers now. And all Jordan Love does is throw for 245 yeah. yards and three touchdowns. Matt Lafleur was my coach of the week. He gets to be a coach now. No, absolutely. That was that was great to see. I mean, it's just crazy how it's been. I believe it's been 32 years since there's been a quarterback starting in Green Bay at the start of the season not named Brett or Aaron. It's been a long time. I mean, there's, there's kids that have grown up watching that team who have never seen a quarterback. They're almost four, in their 40s now who've never seen a quarterback other than those two guys. So there's a, the weight of the world on that kid to come in and uh, to play the way he did, put up 38 points. I mean, hats off to that uh, the whole organization there. Now you're you're a baseball owner, so you're into investing. So would you buy Jordan Love stock right now? Uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be bullish on it. You know, I would I would wait and see. Uh, I think that uh, you know he put up a good performance. Uh, it's week one, you know, so you know classic overreaction on everything. So right now he looks like a Pro Bowler. Uh, next week, you know, he might look like he belongs in the XFL. So. <laughs> Uh, we don't know, so you know. I would, I would, I would wait a week or two and see, uh, see how he, how he plays. I am, um, I'm into. Uh, I think you got to buy Brock Purdy stock now. They went in and smoked the Steelers. I know, and I think you and I both talked about this game being a game we kind of had circled. Yeah, uh, going into Pittsburgh with the defense and uh, Purdy. I mean, he just keeps on doing it. So I, I'm buying on Purdy now. I wanted to, you know, I was like, oh, maybe you know, it's one year now with the injury. I don't know how he's going to come back. And then uh, to put up the performance that he did, it's, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a buyer. So would you, uh, would you be concerned as a Chiefs fan after watching that in terms of, like, if you don't have Travis Kelsey, I don't know about their offense. You know what? I think they look bad. I mean, <laughs> so many drop passes in critical, in critical situations. It's just something we haven't seen out of them in the last five years. I mean, catches that just need to be made that weren't made in a critical situations obviously they didn't miss Kelsey he's obviously you know one of the best tight ends if not the best tight end in the league um but just they looked out of sync and they just didn't look good are we selling holding or selling or holding Geno Smith's uh, stock after that performance I'm selling I'm selling it was it was uh, one of one of the big surprises I mean Seattle has one of the best home field advantages in all of the all of the league. Yeah, uh, the Rams coming in there, no one really gave him a shot, and uh, just to blow out the Seahawks. Uh, Geno Smith, I don't know what his final numbers were, but I know in the fourth quarter he was like 108 yards passing at that point or something like that. Yeah, just they they didn't look good at all, 
and uh, it's, it's bad news when they don't look good at home because you know they're they're 21 points better at home than they are on the road, and they have been that way for the last 15 years. So uh, we'll see how they bounce back next week. I will tell you something, man. I uh, would hate to be a New York Giants offensive lineman or anybody on their special teams. <laughs> that was though that may have been. I can't. I know there are other. There's been others, but in recent memory, I can't remember a worse home opener. You know that, that's uh, horrendous. You know <laughs> to be forty nothing uh, of all teams to lose to the Cowboys. You know that just makes it even more uh, of a slap in the face. You know to lose to them. Uh, it, was, it was ugly. Uh, so I don't. I don't know where Dallas is really at. If uh, the Giants are that bad or the Dallas Cowboys are that good, I will say it sucks to be Dak Prescott. That guy can go in, win a game forty nothing, and everyone says, "I don't know how they're going to go anywhere with this quarterback." You know what I mean? Like it's to be the Dallas to be the Dallas Cowboys quarterback is a rough job. And you know, Dak he's not the best quarterback in the league. He's not the worst. He's somewhere in the top fifteen probably. But man, he's got a, a, a lot of uh, a lot of haters out there in, in Dallas and across the country. Well, you lived it here in Saskatchewan though, as a season ticket holder, then a player. Like it's it's the Dallas of uh, the Dallas or Green Bay of the CFL. Like it, it's not easy being the quarterback, head coach, or offensive coordinator in Saskatchewan. Oh man, I, I used to say every year the most popular player in the Rough Riders is the backup quarterback. You know, no no name gets chanted more in those stands than the backup quarterback almost every year in Saskatchewan, and uh, it, it's a tough job to be that. I saw that I've seen guys kind of crack under that. Um, you know, I know that uh, Cody friend Cody. Uh, I love the guy. I'm still friends with him. Still talk to him, but he he wasn't. Uh, he was just such a nice guy. He wasn't really accustomed to taking some of those hits uh, from mm-hmm. the media and from. Uh, in the fans, and it uh, was a little uncomfortable for him. And you know, it's uh, it's a tough place to play. And I know that that's the same as, as you said, Green Bay or places like Dallas. Okay, so and then talk about this from this. You, we both knew it would be a tough game for the Rough Riders. They got absolutely humiliated, fifty-one to six. But the good thing is, it's a week-to-week league football, and you don't lose any more points in the standings by getting smoked like that. They have a good chance to basically secure a playoff spot with a win over Edmonton here. That's all they got to be looking at, right? Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, fifty-one to six, or, or you know, fourteen thirteen, it still counts as one in the loss column. You know, so you just have to kind of put out, use that mentality and come back the next week. And as you said, the CFL is a week-to-week league. You know, with with the crazy schedule, you know, you know, you're playing Thursday, then a Sunday, and then a, you know, <laughs> NFL you pretty much play every Sunday. It's more routine, and so it's a it's a week-to-week league. And you know, you never know when you know Edmonton could come out and beat Winnipeg or Toronto or BC, and then. You know, the next night, you know, lose by 60 or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, the Riders have a really good shot here. You know, you just got to, you know, the CFL, it's a long season. You just got to get in the tournament. If you get in the tournament, anything can happen. You know, I've seen eight and ten teams win the Great Cup before. Okay, lastly, uh, tonight's game, Monday Night Football, first one of the year. Your old teammate Aaron Rodgers going up against the Buffalo Bills. Now, I know there's a weather problem there. Might delay the game on 9-11, uh, oddly enough. Uh, who do you got in this game if, if and when they get to the field? It's a coin flip. I think I'm going to go with the Jets just because they're at home. But uh, I'm just hoping for a really good game. I think that's where we're going to get. Hopefully it's not delayed too much. I know the, the Mets game has already, already been delayed. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's been canceled. But, yeah, it's, uh, the weather is going to, be, going to be an issue, which is unfortunate because I kind of wanted to see those two quarterbacks uh, sling the ball over the park tonight. Was, was, there, was it raining when you beat Denver in the Super Bowl? I can't remember. No, it, it was a crazy week, though. It was like minus 20 all week. And then uh, the day of the game, we came out and it's like 12 degrees. Like it was like out of nowhere. It's 12 yeah. degrees. Just for that very next day, we woke up the next morning. 
all the flights are delayed because there's a huge blizzard right after the game. Yeah. So there's like this little, this little, this little in that Roger Goodell has with God. And he just has that put a, put a ten hour window to play that Super Bowl, and it was just absolutely gorgeous for about those uh, those twelve hours, and then it was awful before and awful after. I remember which game it was because I had you in the Wolf control room about a week after. It's when you took your brother Steve and you watched uh, Indian Chicago in the Super Bowl when it rained, right? That That's was right back in uh, February 2007. Yeah, yeah. It, just, it just poured rain the entire game. Yeah. Hey, man, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. You're a funny dude. Anytime, man. Take care. That's John Ryan joining us to wrap the show up. Uh, we'll be back with an information package and our sports ticker update you in the Blue Jays game. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Today's sports page has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.